Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson. And today we'll be discussing Death Race 2000, released by New World Pictures on April 27th, 1975. Starring David Carradine, Simone Griffith, Sylvester Stallone, Sandy McCallum, Mary Warrenoff, Roberta Collins, and Martin Cove. Written by Robert Thorne and Charles Griffith. Based on a story by Ib Melchior. Directed by Paul Bartell. Yes, the fourth in our Sylvester Stallone series, and uh, not credited there because we don't usually do uh, producers, but... Uh, As you said, it was very cheap, meaning <laughs> Roger Corman, correct? Yeah, Roger Corman produced this, uh, and it's very obvious from watching the movie. This is Roger Corman movie to a T. Uh, I had never seen this before, and some of your research helped to know, you know where we could get it, and this one was one that you could rent on Amazon, which I did. Subsequent to that, in researching my next pick here for the end of the end of this one, I found out this is one of the few that through our library district they have this like streaming service that you can get mostly garbage streaming. For the free. library streams, yeah, but it's like it's like a third party service that you know. Sure, okay. I, I don't remember what the name of it is, but sure enough, when I was looking up, I'm like, they have a copy of Death Race Two. Th- oh no, it's their stream. Oh man, I paid for this and I didn't need to. <laughs> yeah, because Amazon only has it in standard definition. It's not yeah. even HD because you know New World Pictures isn't going to be spending money to no <laughs> reupload their back catalog. They were very excited to get the six bucks out of the two of us to uh, to to do this podcast. Well, it was nine bucks for me because I also watched Death Race Twenty Fifty. Oh, which wow. is the sequel they made last year oh man <laughs> i see it's funny that i i had suspected that you might have been keeping that for a bonus episode so we can do that we maybe i mean i watched it i'm not gonna i don't plan to talk about it much it's All basically right. the same movie but they it's <laughs> almost scene for scene the same hopefully movie. it's not as cheap well by modern standards it's just as cheap malcolm mcdowell's in it oh so that's the only <laughs> it's like oh wow. okay malcolm mcdowell right. uh but we're not here to talk about death race 2050 we're, we're here not. to talk about death race 2000 yeah, we are so i had seen this in college this was definitely one of those movies there was uh on the university of Illinois campus there was a video store and i can't remember the name of it now like a rental place and it had all kinds of like non-mainstream you know it was not like a blockbuster you could find yeah. weird stuff like death race 2000 <laughs> and i remember renting it at the was time was it on vhs yeah it was vhs okay um, actually, no, I don't know. It might have been the beginning. It was right around the, the I mean, changeover. D- well, yeah, DVD existed back then. I'm just curious if Death Race 2000 was on DVD. Yeah, I don't think we rented it. I don't, yeah, I think it was a VHS. Right. I can't remember, but uh, either way, I remember enjoying it at the time. <laughs> but I don't, know, I don't know about this movie. <laughs> this is your first time seeing it. So. Yeah, it's my first time seeing it. There were some things that were fun. I wouldn't say it's a good movie, though. No, I mean... This is a similar situation to Hercules in New York, where I remember uh, really? watching it as a, a younger person and really enjoying it, and then watching it again, be like, "Oh no, this is <laughs> time has ravaged your yeah, once youthful." Looks. This is unfortunate. <laughs> you know, but you're right, and there is stuff to enjoy about it. But uh, yeah, man, this movie's a mess. Well, I was gonna say it. It feels that way, and to have David Carradine, and I know this is early for Sylvester Stallone. But to have, you know, some some relatively well-known actors in it, it just really feels slapped together. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a Roger Corman movie, so everyone... I mean, by those standards, this is a pretty... Like, <laughs> I, I was talking about how cheap it was last episode, but it, it's not as cheap as I remember it being. Like, by his standards, this, <laughs> this is, is... big budget? This is pretty big budget. I didn't actually look up the budget and all that, but I'll bet this is like $300,000, $400,000 movie. Don't worry, I have oh, it. Oh, yeah, but good. I, I'm, of, I'm curious to know. Part of my duties here is to make sure that I get as much as I can about the box office. Well, well okay, we'll get to that in a second. But, like, the one thing that really struck me, you know, I think when I watched it in college... 
I wasn't really thinking much about the like quote unquote satire of this movie. And I put that in quotes because this movie has no real point of view. Like I think it's trying to be satirical, but it just comes off as so lame. Yeah, I I don't disagree and kind of the the plot summary that that I have is it's I guess the running man, but with cars and I it's just not good. But the running man feels like it has something to say about the media right. and no, stuff it, like that. This that movie has nothing to say. It's, it's just even at the end when it's trying to make a point, it totally muddies its message. It's yeah. totally nonsense. It, I mean, I really had it. My short plot summary is it's a poor man's running man. Okay. Well, before we get to the plot summary, why don't you tell me what was yeah. going on around well, that sorry, time? Sorry, I don't. I didn't mean to skip ahead like that. No, that's but. fine. What day is it? What year? Well, it is April 1975, as noted. So it was a, you were right on the nose, a $300,000 budget. Okay. Uh, again, you know, this is from IMDb, so it's hard to know for, for certain. They had to rent that plane for a day, so it's like, I don't know how much that costs, but... That probably was a third of the budget. put it in six digits, for sure. And so they estimated, again, this is tough. When you get back into movies this far back, Box Office Mojo doesn't really have the good tracking data. And it's ironic, because this is the year that maybe started box office mattering and we'll, we'll get to that 1982 is the farthest furthest back you can get of like the weekly box office performance so but with that believe it or not the estimate that i found was eight million dollars was the estimated gross box office on that three hundred thousand that's pretty budget. good i mean it was a hit for sure i mean i think this is one of the most well-known of roger corman's movies so yeah it doesn't surprise me all right so uh, so what I was able to pick up, as I noted, you know, this is 1975. Box Office Mojo just doesn't go back that far. It goes back to 1982. But I, I was able to get just the top 10 grossing pictures from 1975. Okay. And the reason I said that 1975 is probably the year that it started to matter is you probably know what the number one movie in 1975 was. Yeah, it's got to be Jaws. Yeah, it's Jaws. So, I mean, that's really when the summer blockbuster was born. And it took a few years before they started, well, we probably should start keeping track of the data on this stuff. And so a few years later is when box office mojo has data through. Do you think it's because that started to happen because of that mentality? Or do you think it's because corporations started to buy up all the studios and they're publicly traded and have to be more open about that? It's probably a a little bit of both, but I mean, the, the studios, I think generally were even some of them publicly traded and more corporate even into the seventies. And migrating more into the 80s, you're right. And yeah, it, probably I mean, it was starting to happen around then. Yeah. So now here, there's a technicality in the number two. I think that this is unfair. The Rocky Horror Picture Show shows up as number two, but there's a footnote to it which says that it is technically still in release. And so... Oh, all, is it counting all yes. 45 years? Yeah, no, so it has, a, it has a cumulative box office of $112 million. It's not fair. Yeah, strike that from the record. I, I don't... Just, but the footnote is there, so I'm, I'm letting you know. So number three uh, is one of my all-time favorites, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Uh, and one of the few, and it may still be the last, to win Best Actor, Actress, Picture, and Screenplay. Or Director, Picture, Actor, and Actress. All four. Swept them. I want to say Network also, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But this was after Network. I thought Network was 76 77. If it if network comes after this, we can look it up. Network didn't sweep them all. Though. No, network is definitely seventy six. It must not have swept, but it, it, network is definitely seventy six because it was the same year as Rocky. I know that for a fact. They were You're both right. nominated You're for right. best picture. Well, yeah, and Rocky won best picture, so network couldn't yeah. have swept it. <laughs> Which, by the way, we're recording this on Oscar night. We're, we we're not watching. I'm recording them, but <laughs> we're sitting here talking about Death Race 2000 while, while the Oscars are going on. Which I take a certain uh, sick glee in. <laughs> uh, somewhat surprisingly, number four was Dog Day Afternoon. And I just, I, that's a movie that I really like. I, I can't believe that that was a really high grossing picture. Yeah, the 70s like, were different. 
yeah, it's like, especially the early to mid seventies, it's hard to tell what was a big hit and what wasn't. It's like, just because it is still known now, doesn't necessarily mean it was a hit or vice versa. It's like, you don't know. Yeah. And when you look at the rest of this list, so I'll go through five through 10 shampoo. <laughs> okay. The re- There's one that did not last. The return of the pink Panther makes sense. Okay. Funny lady. Don't know it. Yeah. What is that? The apple dumpling gang. Don't know it. <laughs> okay. I've heard of it. Aloha Bobby and Rose. Don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other side of the mountain were the top ten. This proves my theory of what episode we were talking about. It, and I think it's it was on the uh, Rhinestone episode where I was saying, like, you look back at 70s music, you expect Pink Floyd to be at the top of the charts, <laughs> and instead it's Disco Duck. And this is the same thing. It's yeah. like, what are these movies? Never heard of them. Yeah, so moving on then to TV, uh, 75, 76 TV ratings. Not not surprising, number one, all in the family. Sure. When I look at, too, the rating of 30, it's insane. I mean, I know it was a, it was a different era. Yeah, but three channels. It's it's still that basically a third of people were watching. Right, all in the family. Yeah, yeah. By modern standard, it is amazing. But so three channels. You, yeah, to just go through the top ten again. Some that I know, some that I don't. Rich man, poor man was number two. I have no idea what that show is. Heard of it? Yeah, I don't know. Laverne and Shirley. At least I know what that is. Wow, that's early. I would have thought that didn't start until later. Yeah, uh, Maud. Know that? Sure. Here's the interesting one. The Bionic Woman is number five. Number nine is the Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. Uh, I can understand that. Yeah, I'm sure the $6 million man had already been on for a number of years and was kind of fading, and the Bionic Woman was something new. Uh, Phyllis, I know of it, but don't really know it. Sanford and Son. Okay. Rhoda, and then the ABC Monday Night Movie <laughs> clocking at number 10. I feel like those should be left off those lists. Like, Probably it's not should. a show. I'm surprised. I guess MASH hadn't started yet. I was expecting MASH to be like near the beginning of its run, but maybe not. Yeah, I would have expected that, too, because when they finished, like, 80. Two or three. Two or three. So I would have expected, and yeah, maybe it was the next year. Or it maybe it wasn't a been, huge hit. Yeah, it took a while. But. All right, so most importantly on the history side, the S&P 500 was at <laughs> 92.71. What? Yes. Well, on the business side, a partnership was formed on April 4th between Paul Allen and Bill Gates. Oh, okay. Microsoft was founded. I'm sure that wasn't big news at the time. I'm sure it happened it in not. a garage or something. It is quite big. You know, it is quite newsworthy today. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times bestseller that month, Centennial by James Michener. No idea what that is. Okay. And I did not time this. I did not realize we were going to be recording on the night of the Oscars, but I thought it was newsworthy um, that Godfather 2 on April 8th won Best Picture, Oscar for Best Picture. And since I'm a huge Godfather fan, I had to include that in. Very important in the world of sports, the San Diego Chicken makes its first appearance on April 15th. <laughs> Very important news. <laughs> Is it the San Diego chicken? It doesn't even have a name, just the chicken? No, it's the San Diego chicken. Okay. And then, so the, I'll give you, since you're the music guy, the top uh, 100 billboard, there's no way you're going to know it. There's no way. I just, like, as I just said, it's going to be Disco Duck or something like that. And that's too early for Disco. It's country. BJ Thomas, hey, won't you play another Somebody Done Something Wrong song? What? That's the title of the song? Yes. Never heard of that. Uh, and then probably the the most noteworthy or newsworthy, Saigon fell on April 29th. So that was the, the very end of the Vietnam War. Sure, yeah. I'd yeah. say that's pretty newsworthy. Yeah. So of all that stuff, really, that, that was the, the most newsworthy and obviously was a watershed moment in U.S. as well, well as world history. And as Saigon fell, people were in the movie theaters watching Death, Death Race, Race 2000. 2000. <laughs> all right, let's, get to, let's talk let's, about the plot of this movie. Yes. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. The nice thing about this movie is it's going to be very easy to do a plot summary. 
Uh, yeah, I, I just said I've got that it's the running man in cars. What have you got? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't write these down, but it's like, you know, five racers and their navigators race in a dystopian future and they're given points for killing pedestrians. And but they, they're also still trying to, to get there as fast as they can. I, I guess we can talk about that now if but you want. That's in stuff. my question. Well, no, all right. Let, let's let's save it for questions. Uh, yeah, the rules of this game we can talk about later. But they they're, are, they're, they they're in a competition. There's the yearly death race that the government puts on to like placate the people. They, they compare it to the Roman Coliseum, etc. Yeah, but hold on. See, here's I I have that apparently there is some resistance that wants to topple Mr. President, but I never could figure out what was wrong with his regime. The streets look like they're in good shape for the most part, and there's a monorail, and his party is the bipartisan party. What more do people want? Yeah, but it's pretty clearly a fascist party. Like, sure, the trains are running on time, but, you know. They have a monorail. <laughs> they do have a monorail. We don't have a monorail today. Well, that's just a painting of a monorail, to be fair. <laughs> it's so cheap, I wanted to make note of it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in the reality of the movie that someone <laughs> just all painted a giant painting. I'm just like, <laughs> look at the beautiful city. And, you know, people actually live underground or whatever. I mean, the streets are pretty deserted. To be fair, it is race day, and I'm sure people know, like, get the hell out get of the Get the streets. Yeah. That's the thing. This movie is so vague about the the. That's kind of what I was getting at with like the satire is so nebulous. It's like yeah, nothing is clear about like what the details of this world, the details of the race, the backstories of most of these characters. Oh, it's there's just like, almost none. There's nothing. I mean, yeah, the, the factions, so the this like re- revolution that's off plotting, you know, elsewhere with Thomasina Payne. Yeah, Thomasina Payne. It would be on the nose if it was if it wasn't so unclear. It's like okay, fine. You want to compare her to Thomas Paine, but it's like, what does that mean in this context? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so yeah, Thomasina Paine. I was just calling her. Well, you know, what I was calling her because they keep cutting to those groups. Yeah, to her group, her revolutionary. And for most of the movie, they're not really involved in the story very much. No, you're right. So I was just calling her Grandma Zeus. Oh, I have spoken. <laughs> oh. Because she's very much a Zeus of this movie. You, you were right. I'm disappointed in myself. We are so far removed from working on Batman. <laughs> it's been I a forgot. long time since we had a Zeus. To be looking for, you know, and as I was listening to uh, our episode zero that we posted, I haven't also been really looking for Green Pepper Face, so well, I need th- to make sure to do that. There's a big one in this movie. I got to remember for the Zeus of the movie, and you're right. I think the revolutionaries, it really is totally irrelevant what they're doing. They're just off on their own for most of it. And even when they collide with the race... It's like there's the part where Frankenstein, we'll go into like the who are the racers and all that in a minute, but like there's the part where they're going to kidnap him or whatever. Yeah. And she, I guess, is around, but her character doesn't interact with anybody else. I don't think she only interacts with one character up until the very last scene. Yeah, Super Mario. <laughs> that uh, guy in the factory that she talks to, the- yeah, Lieutenant. I've got his name, but he I, he he looks like Super Mario. Well, I, he reminded me. So you, you brought up uh, All in the Family. He reminded me of Meathead from All in the Family. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's I mean, the love child between Super Mario and Meathead. He does have the mustache of Super Mario. He's though, got the mustache sure. and the hat. Oh yeah, I guess go pull it up. He's got the- yeah, he is, he is very Mario. Now that you mention it, <laughs> I was going. Is what I was waiting for. Like but mushrooms but, to be falling. <laughs> but to explain the Zeus of the movie, you know, is any character when we saw Hercules in New York, we talked about how Zeus is just off watching from afar and commenting on the action, not really involved in the story. And so any character that's like that, yeah, you cut to them, but they have no influence whatsoever, yeah. really, on what's going. They on. They have a lot of opinions about what's happening, but, but they're not. Yeah, they're not impacting the story in any way. No, even though these revolutionaries theoretically are. They are victorious in the end, etc. But even still, they you, had very little to do with they it. They had nothing to do with it. Basically, they ended up shooting the wrong person. We we'll get to that, <laughs> you know. But it's like the whole 
that you can take them out of this movie and not even notice. You yeah. could you could edit. You know, I I could take this movie, edit out all those scenes, and you wouldn't even know because mm. it's like they they have nothing to do. So we, should we go into uh, just to kind of go over the the big picture story? Should we go over the the five racers and who they are? And yeah, all if that? you want to do that here, that's fine. That makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, first of all, you got Calamity Jane. I'm just going to go in the order they're introduced. Yeah. Calamity Jane. She finished second in 1998, and she's a cowgirl with like her little boy toy. I guess like she's yeah, like some that, kind of sex pot. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, again, no background whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, they're wrestling characters, basically. They have yeah. a gimmick, and they play to the gimmick at all times. But yet, it's real. Like, they're all... They're not putting on a character for the crowd. These people are actually like this. Yes. Right? Like she's, well, that's what it seems like. Yes. Yeah, it seems like it. And then she's driving the bull. Her car is called the bull. Most of these cars have names, but I think there were one or two that didn't. So, anyway... So that's her. So then there's Matilda the Hun from Milwaukee and her navigator Herman the German. Yes. And they're just Nazis. Yeah, they're, that's all. Just yeah. That's a real shocking thing. Like, the first human being you see in this movie. Yeah. Because, like, it opens with, like... A the, crowd. The credits and those, like, drawings of cars or whatever. And then they cut to a big crowd. But they obviously just, like, stole at some race. They just, like, went to a, a Daytona whatever race yeah. and filmed the crowd. But then the first actual fans, sh- fans that, of, like, that are specific to this movie are just waving a swastika. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, that's that's, like... Well, was, that's one hell of a way to start your movie. Yeah, it it, it, it was jarring, especially for me having yeah. first seen it. Like, what is going on? Yeah. What did he sign us up for? It's very jarring. I'd forgotten about it too, and I had that same thought. Like, oh, what's Mike going to think? I got him into. <laughs> um, but they're fans of Matilda and Herman. The one thing I find kind of hilarious, you know, because I mean they're Nazis, but the movie doesn't. Again, yeah. it doesn't have a point of view about anything. It's not no. even. It's not playing it as a goof, but it's also not condemning it. It's just like it's just there. Like, yeah, like everything in this movie, it's just yeah, it's just there. I think your your summary of that it's a like a wrestling gimmick. You're right. That that's really what it is. That's the thing. Like even the WWF would have never gone there. No. They would have never had a Nazi. No, you know, like that's that's this movie is really going to ex- extremes. I mean, it's just for a cheap shock. It's yeah. for the shock value, really, yeah. is what it is. But anyway, the part that actually made me laugh, and especially watching it in 2018, is. You know, Herman the German being this nebbishy guy with glasses and just like... Rick Moranis. Yeah, exactly. That, I think, was a very funny choice. And, again, watching it now, I see that guy, this nebbishy Nazi, and I was just like, that guy nowadays would just have a Pepe the Frog icon on Twitter and just be one of these, like, <laughs> men's rights activist idiots. Pepe the Frog. He would. I mean, I don't know if you had whatever. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Yes. So, and that's that's what that guy would be. And that's that just struck me as funny. Just like I'm the master race, but I'm <laughs> you know he's the navigator and he's just like meekly in the side. Like he, he really does nothing. But no, and he he gets his manhood insulted by yes, uh, exactly. Calamity Jane. So I guess it is kind of taking the taking the bit. piss out of of this Nazi character. But I mean. It's just there so that she can shout uh, Blitzkrieg every time yeah, she kills somebody. <laughs> thank you. You beat me to it. Yeah. Uh, next is Ray uh, the, Nero the Hero Lonigan. Wait, I wrote Ray quote Nero the Hero Lonigan. Was that right? Or yeah, I, just, think, I think so. So his name is Ray. I wrote it down and then I forgot about it. And I was like, no, wait, they, that doesn't well, make sense. They needed a hook. And so he was going to be, <laughs> it's the Colosseum. So they needed a Roman. But it's such a, it's not even his name. But no, anyway. It's stupid. So yeah, he's, did you know, recognize the actor who plays uh, Nero the Hero? Martin Cove? No. He is Cobra Kai, head of Cobra Kai. Oh, man. He's very young. You know, it's hard to... I, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, that Sweep that, the leg, Johnny. Whatever that character's name is, yeah. Cobra Kai, which is back now, by the way. That's right, yeah. I, I saw that the other day. I'm just like, what? It's a, it's a series, It's too. a YouTube series. Yeah. YouTube paid a bunch of money 
to do that. I don't know if that's a great idea. Oh, it's Who a knows? terrible idea. But I don't think Martin Cove. I think he's he's died. Uh, and oh, he has. Yeah, no, it's um, it's Johnny and uh, and Johnny and Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, but whatever. I I don't plan on watching. No, I mean, Cobra I, Kai. I think you have to be a subscriber anyway. So yeah. who's subscribed to YouTube Red or whatever it's called? Like, Apparently, that's what's going to lure me in is Cobra Kai. Yeah, you, I mean, it's it's all, it's bad enough to like use cheap nostalgia to try to get subscribers, but Karate Kid nostalgia <laughs> of all the things you're going to pay money for, it's like get, at least get something a little higher tier than Karate Kid. Uh, Nothing against Karate Kid; it's a good movie, but it's like. It's not like Who's they're clamoring for that. Right, exactly. It's not like Star Wars or something where it's like oh. there are still fans all these years later. It's like, who cares? No one, I bet there's more fans of the Will Smith's kid version of Karate Kid, whatever that guy. What's his name? The terrible actor who is Will uh, Smith's son. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, I, I saw that one and. I'm sure it was bad. It's, well, whatever. It's, I don't want to get sidetracked, but A, it wasn't about karate, it was about kung fu. <laughs> And Jackie Chan played Mr. Miyagi. It's like the whole, you can't just pretend like China and Japan are the same place. But anyway, Ugh. it was bad. Uh, okay, next is uh, Machine Gun Joe of a Turbo. Uh, yes, well, the reason we're here. Yeah, we've gotten to Sly. It, it takes a while to get around to him. And I, 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 this time I was watching going like, Sly's in this a lot. I, my memory was that he's in this a lot. When, is he gonna, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? factory? Thank you. So he's a gangster. Yeah, from Chicago, of course. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a Tommy gun yeah. with, filled with blanks, it seems like, because he gets very upset about yeah, Frankenstein's fans. Fires into the crowd, and that's what I kind of wondered. Is Are those blanks or are those real? They must be, because I cut to the crowd, and they're just still cheering. Like Nobody's running no, for cover. Yeah, nobody cares. So. All right. It seems like that, that's just like a prop gun. Yeah. And that that's your green pepper face, by the way. When he shoots that gun. That makes sense. The thing about Green Pepper Face that's going to be tough is he always has some level of it. It's like it's a sliding scale. It's not yeah. like Arnold Face where it's it's a switch on and off. I got you. This is like, but this is like a nine out of ten Green Pepper Face. Like his normal face is like a one or a two. I when, can completely envision it because I watched the movie two th- two or three. Might have even been three times getting all my notes. So <laughs> boy, it's, it's a, a short, short movie. Mo- it's yeah. a short movie. So I'm like, I'll just go back through. And- but when he's shooting that gun, into the, into oh yeah, the crowd. I can completely picture it. Yeah, so. and then of course Frankenstein. Frankenstein indestructible two-time winner which I, it's not clear how long this race has been going on but it seems like a long time and it seems like well it was multiple nights because somebody ran was running up in 98 so you got 98 99 2000 it but it seems like yes it, it's gone on for a decade at least i think they talk about like 97 or whatever but yeah. so it, it, he's a two-time winner frankenstein i think they say that uh, joe has won one yes so I, I don't know like this whole the whole plot you know, they're all in this race, and then there's a resistance trying to sabotage the race. You know, and there's a whole subplot about Frankenstein and his new navigator, Annie, and there's some, some false tension about whatever. Yeah, she's a, a plant from Thomasina Payne, because she's yeah. her granddaughter. And, uh, or uh, great-granddaughter, actually, I think. Oh, is it? I thought it was just granddaughter. I have a note in here. I'm like, wait a minute, because I thought at one point they said granddaughter, and then another one, great-granddaughter. I wouldn't be surprised if they did say two different things in two different scenes, because that's the kind of screenplay this is. It's just yeah. like, you know, I, my first note when we get to questions is just like, this would take two hours to go through all the questions, because nothing... <laughs> I mean, simple things like that are inconsistent. Just like the writer forgot whether she was the granddaughter or granddaughter. I didn't. I didn't notice that, but I fully believe that All right. they said different things in different scenes. But uh, anyway, there's yeah, there's that plot of just like, can he trust her? Can she trust him? But it's like nothing is clear about any character's motivations. So right. it's like even by the end, we don't know if they trust each other or what they want or any of it. No, um, mo- most you you could cut out most of this movie and just get right to what the end is, and it's just as clear. Because there's no consistency, no clear message at all. No, the, the duration of the movie. The final action scene 
you know, this is there's a three day race. They have pit stops in what St. Louis and Albuquerque. Uh, yes. And so the movie stops at each spot to like have a sequence of them just like hanging out <laughs> and nudity. <laughs> yeah, and nud- every opportunity, of course, for some nudity, man. Did you forget that too? Well, uh, I forgot. I remember there was nudity, but I forgot how it was used because I think the swastika is the f- most shocking thing. The, sec- oh, yeah. the second most shocking thing is that when they're in Albuquerque, and there's a scene between Frankenstein and Annie yeah. where they're in his, like their shared hotel room, I guess. Oh yeah, giant I, room. Oh, you're stealing my thunder. I really oh, want to talk about the room. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, but it's just like a, a scene where they enter the room. Yeah, and they're talking. Yeah. Then a close up on Frankenstein, and he says something. Cut to her. She's naked. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you don't even was... see her remove her clothing. No, you're right. You're absolutely like, what? How do you? <laughs> I've never seen a movie do that. Of just like surprise, this character in this scene is naked. <laughs> you know, it's you're like, right. That was like actually kind of. Sh- I mean, it's as shocking. a grown 38 year old man, it's just like nudity isn't particularly shocking. But when you when you just cut to, because in your mind you are even when a character is off screen, your mind fills in the gap. So your mind. Imagines her yeah. fully clothed, and then when they cut to her, it's like, what, what happened while it's, we weren't looking? It reminds me of Marge. Where did all, where's that music coming from? Where did all this li- Who cares, Marge? It's a party. It's a party, yeah. yeah. Who cares? Those, those scenes, it's a 70s movie. There's nudity. <laughs> those scenes, when they, whenever they stop, there's, there's, oh, there's a, a scene lot between. Talk about. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll talk about those in detail. Yeah. But aside from those, those brief sequences where there's actually like dialogue and like yeah. characters interact with each other, otherwise it's just one long race. Yeah. And they get to the end, and. Oh, but anyway, my point was going to be the final action sequence, quote unquote, is Frankenstein being chased and attacked by the resistance. And then it gets to the end and now they're on the same side and they, I, they kill the president. I know that's what I'm, you could cut out almost <laughs> all of that tension. Who, you know, whose side, who, is there anybody double? It doesn't matter. It turns out Frankenstein wanted to this, assassinate the president. This Frankenstein. Oh, right. Because I guess, yeah, the, the, the implication, he says that he was raised from birth to be Frankenstein, like one of many Frankensteins. Yeah. But also, the movie, movie establishes that there was a crash in 79. No, and, not in 79, 97. No, I'm saying like an economic crash. Oh, okay. okay not like yeah, a race crash, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, I guess that to be more clear. It's this movie about, a ra- about racing. Yeah. I can't just yeah, say yeah. crash and assume you know what I mean. But uh, yeah, there's an economic crash in 79. And this movie is set in 2000, and he says, I was raised from birth to be the driver. How old are you? You're, he, I looked it up. He, You're a grown man. Yeah, he was 30, he's 38, the same age as us, when he, when he made this movie. And yeah, when he raised from birth, it's like this fascist government didn't exist until you were like 15. Right. Right? right. <laughs> so it's like nothing has been thought through at, at all. all. So, but it, he reveals he wants to assassinate the president. Why does he want to? We don't know. <laughs> No idea, but I can say that the way he wants to assassinate the president <laughs> makes it where there's some redeeming qualities in this movie. Yeah. It revolves around a pun. It's one of those things that where you I have wish. no idea how badly I wish. Yeah, we were still counting puns. It, it would have been this, one of the greatest I, of the bad puns of Machine Guns podcast. It, it trumps almost every. No pun intended. There, yeah. it trumps almost every single one from bad puns yeah and also the death rate 2050 since it was made last year really leans into the trump stuff by the way i'm sure you can imagine i can only imagine but anyway yeah he he his plan is to kill the president with a hand grenade (laughs) i love the way i love the way they reveal the pun he's like my hand was replaced with a grenade pause a hand grenade It's like, yeah, it's like, all's forgiven, Death Race 2000. No, seriously, <laughs> it moved up a notch on my final ranking with that alone. For sure. I mean, yeah, this the, the Arms Rights Podcast is not as focused on puns as we have been in the past. But that but is an outstanding pun. I mean, it's yeah, it, it is absolutely outstanding. Um, 
But right. whatever, they, they kill the president, and he, now he's the president. Or they are the president together, him it, and Annie. It's very it, difficult to understand whether she's like Secretary of State or they refer press la- secretary. I, I don't know. The, the movie ends with their marriage, and they're coming out of the church, and they Mr. and Mrs. President, blah, 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 what's your, oh, what's yeah, your he's, agenda? He's just yeah, rattling off things, his agenda. I mean, he, he's changing things left and right. It's like... <laughs> Even in a fascist government, shouldn't you have to write some of this down first? <laughs> right. Well, he's got it all up in his head. I love that one of his pieces of agenda is he wants to pension off the secret police. It's just like, good job taking care of them in retirement. <laughs> the secret police. Yeah, thanks for taking care of them. <laughs> Making sure they're well compensated sure this, in retirement. Yeah, this world's Gestapo is uh, well cared for. <laughs> But, and he says it as if it's the most magnanimous thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and he's going through his agenda, and it's like in the top five. That's, I mean, that's one of his top five things that he, right. he needs to get on the books. Yeah, it's a high priority for him is to pension <laughs> off the whatever the secret police, whatever he calls them. I did enjoy the secret police whenever they showed up. Uh, they were just guys in, like, brown coats with pens in their pockets. Well, and, uh, and flowers. They had, like, a yeah. carnation or something. Yeah, they all had a carnation. Yeah. I think the president was also dressed like that. Yeah, that was apparently a, party, a part of the bipartisan party was, like, a carnation. <laughs> right. All right, so I think that covers the plot. You ready to get to technology and how it would disrupt this quality movie? Yeah, let's do it. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? Surprisingly, I don't have a lot for this. I don't either. I, all I have is I, have I watch two things. Okay, you go first. All right, well, this may be one for you right away. So I, I just said all these navigators don't need them. Just give me a GPS. <laughs> right, that's true. That's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, <laughs> they have been made obsolete. I mean, the only they still need to be in the movie because you need all the nudity. That basically that seems the only thing that the navigators are there for. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, GPS completely negates all of them. Wait a minute, because I watched Death Race 2050, and that was. That was going to be my comment is go watch Death Race 2050 if you want to see what this movie would be like made in modern times because it was made last year. And they still have navigators? And they still have navigators and it didn't even occur to me. What are those <laughs> characters doing in that movie? There's no reason. There's absolutely no reason. I All mean, right. maybe I, I, I wasn't paying that close attention to Death Race 2050 to be honest. Like I wasn't thinking, I was just like, let me watch this just to see what it's like. And All it's right. like, I was cleaning the house, like whatever. I was not paying attention. So maybe I missed something. All right. Well, I got you there then. GPS, those navigators are worthless. What? Uh, I, got- <laughs> I mean, they're worthless even in the reality of this movie. Because uh, Joe, uh, what's Joe's navigator's name? I forget some of the characters' names. Uh, Machine Gun Joe. Ooh, Myra. I, is that right? Yeah. There's a character named Myra, but I don't know if that's her. I don't think that's her. Anyway, she sends him down a wrong path, and then later he's like, "Where do I go?" And she's like, "What does it matter?" It's like she's worthless even in this world. <laughs> the only thing, so I guess maybe when you've got to have those energy pills or whatever Annie is uh, putting oh, yeah. in that metal canteen, maybe that's the only thing. But it would seem like when you're driving that thing, if you're just on a straightaway. I'm sure I could I could put together that thing myself. Yeah. I, is what I'm saying. I don't think the navigators, even for that, it's just the nudity. That's the only thing they're there for. Well, I guess the twist that they're getting points for running over pedestrians means that they need somebody to... A spotter. To, yeah, to, well, to, to guide them to wherever the, like, they feel like the opportunities would be. I guess. I think that's the idea. That's flimsy, but I'm going to go with the GPS. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go that if I asked Google... And my Google Maps, it could tell me where there were people on the street right now. Yeah, I mean, it's especially since there's satellite that's supposedly watching these racers everywhere, which is totally inconsistent. Well, are they watching everywhere? Or are they just? Uh, that's what it's implied, and I've got something very that really bothers me about that point. Okay. But I'll wait on. We'll that. talk about it later. So, what what did you have on technology? I got one other. We'll see if it matches up with mine. No, I literally just said watch Death Race 2050 if you oh. want to see. That's that's my <laughs> note. I I mean. 
it's hard to look at this movie and say, how would it be different? Because I don't necessarily understand what it is to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, how would it be different? I don't know how it is now. That's true. How how can I compare? It's like, certainly, I have absolutely no comments about, like, how would this story be different? I don't know, because I don't understand the story, really. (laughs) I, I will say that making this movie in 2017... You know, like for instance, I thirty twenty fifty. It's a much less subversive idea of like they get points for running over pedestrians. It's like in the world of video games and like oh, Grand yeah. Theft Auto and stuff. It's like so, that is not shocking at all in a way that it probably was. No, it's not. And I mean, I mean, is Death Race two thousand? Do you think that's the origin of that? I actually think it is. Okay, that was the one thing that I was gonna. I, I don't know if I should give it credit for, but I do remember. You know, in the eighties, whatever, with my brother driving of you know running over people in points. Yeah, I, point to a pedestrian, like a oh, hundred points or whatever yeah, as a so, joke. Uh, so I'm going to guess then that maybe this is the origin. I think I it certainly is. didn't know. So I don't know either, but I think so. All right, well then it has something going for it because that, that thing certainly predates video games. Like, I, oh you yeah, know, people would do that as Absolutely. a joke before there were video games that were like that. Absolutely. So the only other thing I had on the technology side, I just you mentioned that uh, they spent so much of that budget on the uh, on the plane, and I actually had it. That the resistance would have been far better off with drones. They would have been much cheaper and far more accurate than that plane that they were bombing around in. Yeah, I mean that tiny little plane. Obviously, they, they couldn't like <laughs> the production couldn't rent like an F sixteen or no, whatever would have not. been like uh, equivalent at the time, or even a helicopter. Right. Like, like yeah, that would have been better. A helicopter just dropped grenades out of the helicopter. Right. That plane was just worthless. Yeah. Well, it seems like all of their other plans work so much better. The fake picnic worked better than this plane. It's like <laughs> the fake picnic was very effective. Yeah, it was very effective. It's like you're a a resistance movement. You need to be you know guerrilla tactics. Yes, don't, don't spend money on a plane. That's not the best use of your resources. It's not at all. I and, mean, clearly, and the guy cle- just smashed right into the mountain. And, <laughs> and clearly, a drone would have been far cheaper and safer for the operator. Yeah. So that's all I had on the technology side for this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much. It, it's it's going to be tough. Like, we're not we don't have much to talk about, unfortunately, because this movie is so stupid. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. But, uh, do I move on a little details? Little details. I'm sure we're going to have plenty on this. Yeah, one. Yeah, this is going to be the bulk. <laughs> I mean, there's so I, this I have like a page of notes. Yeah, this and questions. That cardboard headstone tipped over. That this graveyard is obviously phony. Can I just lead off right now that my first note because of that is I just have that background with the train is Ed Wood <laughs> laughably cheap because yeah, of that intro. I don't think they even put in like things moving in it because normally when you do a matte painting, you'll leave like little gaps so you can put like, a light just like passing oh, over. Oh, no, it, it does have a light that goes to try and make it look like it's moving. Oh, does it? I yes, didn't even notice and that. And it's laughably cheap looking. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, it... it does not look anything like anything else other than a painting. No, but and the first thing I thought of as I'm watching it is that sound clip that you just <laughs> dropped right there. Um, yeah, then there's no question. I mean, but even so, I didn't remember that. Just the fact that they had a matte painting is impressive by the standards of a Roger Corman movie. Just like, oh, they're they're trying. They three hundred grand, huh? Yeah, for sure. I wonder how much uh, the matte painter got paid for that matte painting. It can't be much. Because, yeah, it was it looked like crap. It looked cheap. Um, one little detail that I just want to bring up. It, there's really nothing to discuss. I just had to get it out of the way because it really annoyed me. It was just a stupid pet peeve. It's not a lap. It's like, oh, today they're starting the second lap. No, they're not. They're it, <laughs> not going it, it in a circle. It is a second leg of a transcontinental race. You are absolutely right. It is not right. a lap. Every time they said that, I just wanted to throw something to the TV. Just like. That's not what that means. That is that is that's really poor writing. I mean, that, that's the least of this movie's problems, but it is very poor writing. Right. I mean, there's so many instances, so many examples of these screenwriters just not 
giving a, a damn about anything. Or, so, yeah, that's the least of it. But like I said, it was a pet, pet peeve. It annoyed me. All right. So I, I happen to notice the, the, the bipartisan party. I'm assuming the symbol. Did you happen to notice that? It was just like a fist or whatever. It's a fist, but with like a lightning bolt. So is like is the Flash somehow associated with the bipartisan party? <laughs> I know nothing about the Flash. Is that does he have a lightning bolt on his fist? Like on his hand? It's not or is on it just his like... fist, but it's like a flat. It's I mean, it's a lightning bolt. And then it's red, and the and the bipartisan party, you know, symbol graphic is partially red. So I wondered, is is the Flash somehow associated with the bipartisan party? <laughs> I mean, I would have to think if the Flash existed in this world, he would win the race every yeah. year. <laughs> I don't know if he'd kill anybody. That's the thing. He wouldn't get no. He probably wouldn't get very many points. No. Well, okay. Are you done with the Flash? Because I mean, this is where I want to talk about these points. All right. What what are the rules of this race? Uh, Can we figure them out? Okay, so uh, I guess I, this is more. This might be in my questions. Whatever. Let's just talk about it now. No, I assume you have the official. By the way, can I just? I'm going to say the Howard Cosell fill-in. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this movie. He is great. I agree. I agree completely. He's he is my favorite. He's one of the best. So there's there's only a few things I really enjoyed. He is one of them. Yeah, and no question that it's supposed to be a Howard Cosell absolutely. Copycat. Hands down, without it, I liked Junior Bruce too. The ascot and how excited he was. But Howard Cosell, I don't, remember, I didn't write it down. Doesn't matter. The Howard Cosell, almost all of his scenes were my favorite scenes. Yeah, the whole TV, TV broadcast because also Grace Pander, which is a great name for her character. Oh, my close friend. Yeah, it's just like, everyone yeah. is a she was friend named, of hers. Yeah, she was named appropriately, Grace yes. Pander. Um, no, my favorite thing about that Howard Cosell knockoff is when they're stalling. It, it was like one of the few moments in this screenplay that felt like it was well observed. In that, like they're stalling when. Frankenstein, I think it's the start of day two. Frankenstein runs over the deacon or whatever. Yes. The deacon. And he, they're like, is this, we have to wait for a ruling. And they're just kind of stalling for time. And he goes, the word deacon has been passed down to us from the Middle Ages. <laughs> and then immediately a piece of paper comes in. And nope. <laughs> right. He's done with his anecdote. Right. Because that's so correct in Real. terms of like what broadcasters, like sports broadcasters will do. If there's like a break in the action, it's like, we need to talk about something. <laughs> I need to pass the time until I get something in yeah, my ear. That was very funny to me. And it's just like, that, that's like every NFL, like, Instant replay break of just like <laughs> they're the broadcasters the trying to fill time. So before we get to the scoring, I just want to get to my note because it has to do with the when Howard. I've got Howard Cosell puts his feet up to relax while laying out the scoring. I love this. Guy. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice he, put he up does. His feet. His feet are just like up on an ottoman, and he's like kick back. I love the Howard Cosell. He's been knockoff. through this ten years in a row. <laughs> exactly. This old hat to him. Yeah. Man. So let's get. I'm sure you wrote down the specific scoring. I did, but they contradict each other or whatever. But yeah, when he lays out the score. First of all, he says these are the rule changes. So it's not the full rule set of just like here are the changes. And he says, first things first, women are ten points more in all brackets. So it's just like a bonus ten points no matter what. Yeah, but I never got what the point was for men. It's well, ten points more. They never give that because no. I think it's it's ten points more no matter what. Because then he says teenagers are worth forty. So I assume what this means is that a teenage boy is worth forty. Teenage girl is worth fifty because it's plus ten. You yeah. know, it's like every bracket is plus ten. Yeah, but then is just is is the white male ages eighteen to forty nine? Are they zero points? I don't think they're zero points, but I think they are the lowest. Point. So they're like ten, maybe. Well, we, we can we can discuss All right. this. All right. <laughs> I don't think it's eighteen to forty because Joe. Well, let me go through. Let me get I'm through just, Howard Cosell's yeah, right. spiel first. He says teenagers are worth forty. Toddlers under twelve are worth seventy, and then uh, senior citizens over seventy five are worth one hundred points. But then when Joe ran over the construction guy and Grace Pander says, oh, it's too bad. He was, only, he was 38, only two more years, and he would have been worth three times as much. So it's like, what? how does that work? What, what's the scoring there? I guess that means 
Maybe construction workers over 40 are a separate category. <laughs> well, is it just construction workers? Is it anybody? Well, it's 12 is the cutoff for toddlers. So I think it's like from 12 to 40, maybe it's 10 and then 40. <laughs> it's, but then she said three times as much. So that must mean 30. But later, Joe runs over his pit crew, if you remember. He backs yes, over he them. Does. And he gets 40 for the two of them. So, oh, so those guys are 20. Those guys are 20. Yeah. So is there a... What's what's their bracket? Because they're obviously adult men. Like they're not toddlers. No. So maybe okay. So they're maybe probably the, maybe the baseline is twenty points. So then over forty is worth sixty, and that's more than teenagers. The whole thing seems upside down because you would think that a healthy adult human being would be the most points because they can more easily run away. More but easily no, run away. And it, actually, if you look, it, you know, there's a logic to that because I think the ins- insurance payouts, like life insurance on young people actually don't pay out that high because they don't, they're not productive yet, even though they have the longest to live. So there, there's sure. probably some logic to that, that that should be the most, it the, should, it should be totally upside down from what it is. I mean, yeah. the, the reason why they did it this way is because they want to be shocking. Like, yeah. Oh, toddlers and old people are worth the most. Aren't we, aren't we, uh, you know, this, you know, shocking movie. The rules make no sense. And then when Frankenstein, he, there's a moment where, they wheel out all the old people at the old folks' home, and he goes, oh, it's a euthanasia Euth- day yeah. or whatever. It's a pretty big coincidence. Euthanasia day is on the same day as the race. <laughs> they really planned that out well. <laughs> uh, and they say he gets 110 points out of a possible 700. I think Grace Pander says that. So <clears throat> they did wheel out seven elderly people, so that makes sense. He could have gotten 700 if he ran them over, but yeah. no, he ran over the nurses instead. But then how did he get 110 points? He ran over six people. Because it seemed like five of them are female nurses, and then one's ambiguous. Because there's like one in his hood, you can't really tell. So if if he hit one man and five women, then maybe it would make sense that the men were worth ten and the women were worth twenty. But that goes that against one hundred and ten. But that goes against the pit crew at forty. Right, exactly. It's it's not consistent. So like, if Grace Pander had said the construction worker over forty would have been twice as much, then everything would fit. Because then over forty would be twenty, <laughs> and the pit crew would be twenty each. Yeah. But because she said three times, and then nothing fits together. It's almost as if they didn't think this, these rules. Dude, wait a minute. Hold on. I I I know this is details and not devil's advocate. Do you think the first kill has like a bonus to it? Could be that maybe it would have been double, but because it was the first one. It would have been triple. <laughs> that seems like overcomplicating these already complicated I'm rules. Not but yeah, I'm just doing my best. No, I mean, you're, you're properly playing devil's advocate. I should have brought this up <laughs> in questions, but I got, I got anxious because it needs to be talked about. Oh, and then I, I forgot because when he kills that deacon, they declare that it's 50 points. <laughs> See, but that so, one, I think that the rules are thrown out because I think they literally had to make up what that guy was worth. <laughs> sure. Because it had never happened before. But that's, that's the point where it's just like, this seems a little arbitrary. <laughs> oh, it's totally arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like that guy, the deacon should have been worth like a thousand points. Should he, though? Because he's standing right there. He's the easiest one to kill because you know he's going to be at the race. <laughs> he's easy, but think about it. That's unprecedented. And he's a member of the party. That guy, to like jazz up the audience, they should be really excited. Say, yeah, that was worth a thousand. He should have been worth a thousand points. Sure. Give the people. I mean, what do you think? If that's the case, then you're just encouraging the racers to kill the deacon, which you don't want to do. Like, I assume the whole, the whole scoring system is to give discourage. the people what they want. <laughs> I guess. You never really see any like normal people even watching the race. No. It's like nobody seems to be watching the race. There's construction workers out working. There's a guy playing I mean, the bullfighter is there to like face death, right. I guess, or whatever. He's like trying to He's he, taunting. There's a yeah. guy fishing. There's a guy just fishing. 
in like I really want to talk about that guy fishing. Let's talk about it now. We're, I'm basically done with my scoring stuff unless you have anything more. Uh, well, it's going to be a devil's advocate for me on the guy fishing anyway. Okay, so. I should have said wait until then. But anyway, that's yeah, all right. This guy fishing. He's fishing in a oh. river that's like an inch deep. And he's got two giant like bass hanging off of his belt. See, you're skipping around here. Now I, I no, I'm saving mine. I'm saving the fishing guy till devil's advocate. Okay, I, I want to talk about then. this guy. Okay, what do you, what else do you have on little details? Here? All right, I, got, I actually have a lot. So no, I do too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this, this, we have to like decide like a cutoff because we will literally be here for hours and hours and hours. So I have it here. By the way, I can't believe I forgot this guy's name. I have Mario or Luigi, but the parenthetical. You know what his real name is? Lieutenant Fury. Yeah, Lieutenant Fury. How awesome! I want to know is he Nick is he a precursor to Nick Fury <laughs> I mean he doesn't seem like a very cool guy I mean he's a terrible pilot we know that he's a terrible pilot and I just have did you notice the Acme Dynamite that he had no I know the plunger <laughs> is that him was he doing the plunger or the, that's that was somebody else I'm pretty sure he had it though for them to go set up you're talking about when Joe was driving over with all the explosives near the end, or is no? That it's before that when they or when they're trying to capture Frankenstein. Yeah, when they're trying to capture Frankenstein. Okay, I don't remember the plunger there. I did, I noticed near the end the plunger because they keep pushing the same plunger over and over, and it keeps exploding different things, <laughs> which made me laugh. But um, yeah, I didn't catch, or I don't even know if they established in his first scene that his name is Lieutenant Fury. So in the scene where they're about to capture Frankenstein and someone's like, well, Lieutenant Fury said this and this. She's like, oh, I don't care what Lieutenant Fury says. I'm going, who is Lieutenant Fury? Who are they talking about? What are they arguing about? I was so confused. Guy? All right. Can I just also say, I want, while we're talking about the resistance, I want to get this little detail. The name of their operation has to be one of the greatest of all time. Oh, Do you remember what it is? No, I forgot. What was it? I remember thinking it was stupid, but then I forgot what it was. Operation Anti-Race. <laughs> right. <laughs> so amazing yeah operation anti-race <laughs> talk about lazy writing and just stupid i mean i mean this this movie's right on the edge of being like funny like yes. schlocky funny and it doesn't seem like it's quite getting there but like that it I, has enough uh, moments for at least for me it did but it, yeah that moment doesn't come off like oh this 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 movie gets it like it's it knows how stupid it is no i'm not sure it does <laughs> operation anti-race <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate. It's a, it's a very descriptive. Uh, and it, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's not coded in <laughs> right, the least. Exactly. If anyone inter- intercepts <laughs> a communique. I think somebody's <laughs> trying to take down the race. <laughs> right. Well, that becomes clear so quickly also. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, Nero dies like in the first hour of the race, basically. Yeah. So it's not like they're really trying to. Like, you would think if they wanted to take out all of the racers at once, they would strike at one of those checkpoints. Oh, they're all the, staying in the same building. Just like, yeah, blow up a building. That, that's one of my questions. Is okay. Why wouldn't you do it there? But anyway, so <laughs> I've got a bunch. I, I want yeah, to we don't have to worry about, you. you know, like whatever. These, these two segments are going to run together a little bit, I think. Give me a couple of your details here. So just little things I, I noticed and enjoyed. I love the moment when they first introduced Frankenstein. There's that doctor who I recognize from other things. I think he might be in a George Romero zombie movie. Okay. I think he might be in Day of the Dead or something. Something. I, I recognize him from something. And he's like, oh, he's been his parts, body parts have been replaced, and they're they're asking Frankenstein questions. He's just like, no more questions, and he pushes his way through the reporters, and then that doctor stands with his arms out in this this gigantic room. (laughs) It's like as if that's gonna do anything. (laughs) It's on my list. I laughed for a long time. I just, I love that, and I'm sure it's just because they got spaces that were really cheap. Sure. But everywhere is a giant open space. <laughs> big empty room. That is the most prevalent. 
and it is hilarious. And it one is. of them, it's like, why can't they just walk right? <laughs> <laughs> totally, it's just a symbolic gesture. I'm gonna hold you back. No more questions. But, but who even is that guy? That doctor never comes back. No. Is he in on the in Frankenstein's plan? Is he in on the resistance plan? Don't Does know. he have any stake in any of it? We don't no, know. he's probably just a guy. Right, but it's like he seems to know Frankenstein. Does he know that Frankenstein is not like, marred? We've never really talked about it. That Frankenstein theoretically is like built together. That's why it's called Frankenstein is because all these body parts he's crashed he's so many times right. that he's been replaced part by part. But then he takes off his max and he's oh it's, he's a perfect David it's Carradine. David Carradine. Yeah. Uh, so let, let me then volley back on the giant open spaces. I loved this detail. Did you happen to notice when they're first in the resistance? There's so much of the resistance I loved when they're ja- <laughs> really? when they're yeah they're jamming the signal. Oh yes. Apparently in this world, giant factories with guys <laughs> aimlessly turning wrenches can jam satellites. There's just this it's, guy. Like a, it's like a printing press or something. Yes. And that's what they use to jam the signal. But if you look, I laugh so hard. There's just the guy, and he's like turning a <laughs> wrench. I'm like, what is he? And that's what really made me think of the Mario Brothers. I'm oh, like, yeah. what is that guy doing? And apparently that's how you jam a satellite in this world. Well, the telephone system has been destroyed, we learn later, for you know, oh, yeah, the most was- non sequitur line in the movie. <laughs> I've got that later. I'm like, what does that mean? So, uh, who knows what the technology situation is here? Like, maybe this they just had to like start over and steampunk it. <laughs> a television signal now, now requires this gigantic warehouse full of machinery. I like the steampunk you know, idea. Like transistors no longer exist, so they have to like build it out of giant machinery. Who knows? Oh man, thank you. Yeah, All right. that, that, that made me laugh. The machinery is so loud, and then she's recording her message like right next to these giant machines. It's just like I was waiting for her to, you know, they break into the signal. I, just, I thought she'd be like, oh, <laughs> nobody can understand anything she's saying. Yeah, no, you can't hear it because it's just like machinery. But um, also, speaking of television broadcasts, um, I mean, there's a million little details of just like the movie being really cheap and hilarious. And the president's broadcast, I think it's after one of the racers dies, and he's just like, everything is fine. And he's standing in front of one of those flags with a fist. Yeah. And you can tell someone off screen is just like lazily, like, is holding the flag and just kind of like moving it around a little oh, bit. Oh, I missed that. To make it look like it's waving, but it's just it's just some grip off screen just kind of like w- wiggling the flag around. <laughs> I totally missed that. Um, that. It's in the lower left. Whoever this guy is, he's in the lower left of the screen just grabbing the flag and wiggling it. That is awesome. Yeah. So continuing for me, continuing on the details on this Mario theme I was on, I have manhole covers act like trampolines in this world. And I just said, I kind of wish that those guys would have warped like in Mario. Well, <laughs> I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? I, well, you, when he gets hit and there's that shot of him going like, boring, is that what you're referring Yeah, those three guys that apparently more people that were taunting the yeah. racers, which makes no sense. They're like middle-aged greasers. Yes. I don't know who, what the deal is with those guys. Like this movie just <laughs> is a series of weird vignettes like that. of just like a bull fighter is in the road now three greasers are are, are you know, it's a bunch of people who are just like tempting death like, i get it it's supposed to be like the running of the bulls which is like people go out in the streets yeah, but greasers in 1991 well, 2000 2000 what right. what yeah i don't know maybe the greasers even in 1975 it wouldn't have made sense <laughs> fashion is cyclical i don't know although <laughs> the greasers never came back in any way i don't think <laughs> i mean maybe a little bit but you know what I'm talking about? Born the one guy, he just takes off. I mean, off. he got hit by a car, and that was the way they were depicting getting hit by a car, is they just cut to him, like, flying through the air. As but if. none of the rest that get hit by a car fly through the air. I think it's no. the manhole cover. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that whole sequence is so bizarre. Like, they're standing on the road. They're taunting the car. They're, they're going to jump into the manhole to, to get away. And then the second guy closes it up. 
<laughs> to screw over the third guy, and he still jumps like, "Hey, I'm jumping in," and then he lands on it, and then like, "Uh oh." Yeah. I mean, I I kind of wish that the movie had gone more into, into that cartoonish thing. I mean, it's literally a Wiley e. Coyote thing near the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's obvious the movie kind of wanted to be a cartoon. I think if the Wiley e. Coyote moment had come before that manhole stuff, it would have been more clear. It was like, oh, this is just like a cartoon, and like yeah. you, you would have known how to take it. Because like watching it, it's just like, what is even happening? Like this idiot is trying to jump into a manhole cover that's been closed. I, I just feel like the movie could have made it clear a lot earlier that it's supposed to be funny. Because <laughs> it takes a long time before it's like, okay, I think they know that this is a comedy, but they're kind of failing at that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I've been dominating here. What what other details you got? I still have like six or seven I want to cover. No, I, one one little detail that I want to actually genuinely compliment the movie, and I thought it was funny, like. When the race first starts and they're driving through New York City, yeah, the thing might actually just be downtown LA they're filming, but whatever. It's it looks convincing enough, and then they cut to the walk don't walk sign, and it just says run. I thought that oh, was a funny. I missed that. I that thought that was good. a funny little detail. It, it is, like, and I missed that. That's yeah. a good catch. I'm like that's clever. Like, hey, good job, movie. It's like, yeah, oh, that's actually cool. score one. Yeah, that's uh, you know what? Arbitrarily, that's worth a hundred points. <laughs> hundred points. Yeah, a runs uh, don't run sign. And uh, so I'll segue here with a little pun and catch. So I, I do want to cover the fisherman a little bit. I love. That this guy is running for his life, running for his life, <laughs> yeah. and he won't drop the fish that he caught. <laughs> no, he, he he's hard for the fish. <laughs> when you're, when you, as you noted, when you're fishing in literally an inch of water, that he was able to cut, catch those many fish. He didn't want to let them go. It's shallow enough that Joe can just drive his car right into the river without even any concerns. Well, that guy just jumps in and runs without any concerns. <laughs> right. I don't want to cover. T- I just love that that guy didn't drop his fish. <laughs> I, I didn't really, really notice that, but I think subconsciously I probably did. <laughs> oh, he he didn't. I can tell you. I went back. Yeah. I wonder if uh, the fish probably survived. Like, oh, I'm that sure guy the fish didn't were make fine. it. But yeah. it's like the fish landed in the, in the river and swam away. I bet. Uh, yeah, that whole that whole thing of just like I'm your biggest fan, Frankenstein's like Frankenstein, and you know he gets mad about it. But, you know. The movie's trying to be a comedy, but it's like scenes like that. It's just like, come on, yeah, this is like, stupid. Then that's one of the things that rivalry it. I know it was early for Stallone, but I guess, I mean, Rocky is right after this. Yeah, it's the next year. The rivalry, it doesn't really, it doesn't, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it is, uh, you know, Stallone is, I think, the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The, pro- the problem, I mean, he's the most watchable stuff. Anytime it cuts to him, it's just like, you know. He, Other than the resistance, because they just made me laugh. I don't know. I thought that stuff was boring, but like, right. you know, Stallone, I thought it was entertaining and he was doing a really good job. The only problem is, they were really casting him as like this real bad guy. There's a goofiness to his performance that is a lot more fun. And then, but you know, it's like, oh, this is fun. And then he just punch her. Right. And it's like, oh, no, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I just think I wish they had gone in a different direction with that character because the, there are a few moments that I enjoy. Those are our baked potato. <laughs> to me, you're one big baked potato. Oh man! I don't know what that means, but I enjoy it. I think I, that was one of my questions that I actually had that I was hoping <laughs> I you could explain it. to me. So now I already know you're not going to be able to. That feels like a Stallone ad lib. IMDb had trivia saying that Stallone wrote a lot of his dialogue. It's like I, I can believe that. That seems like a Stallone thing to say. To I hear just one big baked potato. I just did find my notes for the next section. I I just going to ask you: Is being a giant baked potato some sort of an insult? <laughs> I don't know. So here's something on Machine Gun Joe that I love, is that in this world and with Machine Gun Joe, clam sauce is smeared all over your face and eaten with your hands. Oh, th- that whole sequence, I think, needs to be talked about in detail. Okay. Because I, mean, I, I wrote down, like, bit for bit, everything that happens in that sequence, and every scene... So I think this is pit stop number two yeah, if people Albu- are actually watching this movie. Yeah, in Albuquerque. Yeah. 
because pit stop one they just get massages nudity yeah uh <laughs> for a while i was going like oh this is they're not really gonna and then no, no. they're all getting massages and they're all face down and the two yeah. girls are just like ah they're, they're like, gonna fight and just <laughs> yes, there you go it's ridiculous um yeah and that's an, that's even before annie man the annie frankenstein like romance stuff is creepy <laughs> not to like I'm, I'm derailing from my original point but both of those scenes there's the part where like she's in a towel He's just in his underwear. He's got a black glove on to cover his, quote, hand grenade. And then he puts his mask back on, and they, like, he, like, holds her close, and they almost start dancing a little bit or something. And then he takes off his mask and takes off her towel, and they just kind of, like, stand there, like, creepily. Man, all that stuff is creepy. The, that's the first scene. And then the second scene, it's just, like, he knows that she's in the resistance and et cetera, and, like, there's this idea of, like, she betrayed him, right? What happened? In, something happened in day two. It's, like... She revealed that she's in the resistance. Or maybe not revealed, but he starts to suspect well, yeah, he, does, he doesn't she, trust her or she, something. She tries to get him to uh, lure him into that trap that is one of yes, the exactly, worst yes. plans of all time. Yes. I, I have it. You have to explain to me what the resistance plan was there. I know the plan was to replace Frankenstein, but I don't know how they plan to get him out of the car. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a flaming barricade That's that I guess, I guess they thought he'd stop. <laughs> he just like drove around yeah, it. Yeah, threw it, basically. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it didn't I, do anything. <laughs> my favorite part of that scene, we're totally off the topic of what I was going to want to talk about, but that's fine. Um, my favorite part of that scene is they just like stop. Yeah, there's no like resistance or anything. It's just the fake Frankenstein is just there. And he just kind of like waves. Like, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> what is that guy I'm doing? I'm here to take over. And Frankenstein Hello. just hits him. It's pointless to talk about this stuff because it's just like we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. There's no answer. What was their plan? The movie doesn't know. Well, you wanted to talk about Albuquerque, so let me see if I can fill in any any help. There okay, in Albuquerque. Yeah. But it starts with the meeting where yeah, he's got clam sauce all over his face. Oh, it's ridiculous. Stallone does. I enjoy that. He's like he wants the the string quartet to stop playing. Stop playing a song. You yeah, know? and then he busts it up. Yeah, and then Howard Cosell. Uh, or wait, am I in the wrong place now? I lost. I, think I, I lost don't fight. think Howard Cosell is there. Oh no! Before they cut to them, they talk about how. Oh, they reveal that uh, the the enemies of the state killed. Who was it? Who was the next one killed? So you had Nero. Then you lost. <laughs> who were was the it? Racers? Was it the Nazis that were the second one dead? Yeah, it was the Nazis. Oh yeah, because they plunged they off kill, into Wiley Coyote. They killed the cowgirls. Navigator, yes, and then there's gone. a chase, which is actually yes. that chase was one of the better action, like chase, yeah, like it, race sequences. I it guess. wasn't good, but it was one of the better. It was ones. one of the better ones. And then, oh, that's the Wiley Coyote thing. Yeah, it's where they, they s- paint a fake. It's, it's the villain. <laughs> How could I forget that? Yeah, they paint a fake tunnel or a detour, and yeah. she drives through a fake tunnel and off a cliff. Which I love the detour because the detour sign only takes up like a third of the road. You could easily drive around and, and see everything's fine down the and road. Yeah, the road is clearly open. You can see there's no <laughs> it's like wide open. It looks very nice. The only obstruction is the d- detour sign. Right. But anyway, I'm, I'm I'm backing up a little bit because at the moment where they're like, oh no, uh, Matilda. And then someone rushes in with like a note like, oh, Matilda had a big score. We'll, we'll yeah. fill you in later. And then the next time you see the broadcast, like, oh, Matilda was killed by, oh, yeah. by enemies of the state. It's like they realize, oh, we can't really paper this one over. We're just going to come clean. Okay. Is that why? I was like, that, that, that doesn't that, make any sense. It why doesn't they make sense. The lie and then d- decided not to. I, I just took it as this like, oh, we, we really can't pass this off at all. She's dead. She's charred. Well, there's no way you can say that she came up with a big score. I have a hard time believing that a president would have an administration this disorganized. <laughs> that would never happen in the real world. Touché. Never, ever, ever. Touche. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they're so basically like now that it's been revealed that the resistance has killed killed Matilda, all the racers are like, we need protection out there or whatever. And Stallone's got, you know, clam sauce all over his face. 
And then this is where the whole thing starts of like, oh, the French did it. Two-thirds of the way to this movie, it introduces this notion that we're... And European the, allies. Yeah, the French and the Europeans are the enemy, and they're, they're sabotaging the race. Which, like, is, there's a lot of that stuff in the last third, and it comes out of nowhere. Then there's a scene in the garage where Annie is in the car. She's doing something to the car, but it's not clear. It like, seems like she's sabotaging Frankenstein's car, but nothing comes of it. Joe catches her. He tries to strangle her. Frankenstein comes in. They have a fight. And then they go up to Frankenstein's room, and Frankenstein's mad at Annie. It's like, she almost just died. It's like, what were you doing down there? It's like, hey, have some sympathy. Joe just strangled her. <laughs> yeah, but Kung Fu came in and solved it. Rocky lost. <laughs> he didn't do much Kung Fu, but yeah, I guess, I guess uh, yeah, Kung Fu beats boxing. <laughs> it's clear. That's what I have. I yeah. learned from this. <laughs> I've never actually seen the show Kung Fu. Really? I've, You've never seen it? I saw a couple episodes of Kung Fu The Legend Continues. Oh, wow. That, you know, that was on when we were kids. Yeah, I saw that too, but no, I've, I saw a few episodes of Kung Fu. I've never seen the original Kung Fu. Kung Fu The Legend, Legend Continues was terrible. And yeah, I, it I, I know like I shouldn't, it was on for a while. I don't know. It was probably on for three or four years. I know I shouldn't judge the original show based on that sequel show, but... Oh, I'm not going to say Kung Fu was good, but I've seen oh, it. okay. Yeah. yeah I, I literally don't know anything about... I, the only things I've seen David Carradine in, really, are this and Kill, Kill Bill. Bill movies. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and Crank 2. <laughs> I have not seen that yet. If we ever get to Statham. I don't even want to. Let's not talk about Crank. Uh, where was I? Albuquerque. And Frankenstein making no sense of yeah, basically. He, he's like accusing her of like doing something and like sabotaging the car. And then they just have sex again out of nowhere. And it's like, what is even happening? Joe, you know, tried to strangle his navigator. He doesn't care about that at all. And these two are supposed to be like rivals. They're supposed to hate each other. I mean, they fight, but. It's like, that's the end of that. That's settled, you know, like... Yep, time, time for nudity. That, man, the whole Albuquerque sequence, everything that they establish in Albuquerque negates everything that came before it. You know what I mean? It's Pretty like, much. oh, no, it was the French. Oh, no, uh, uh, you know, Frankenstein doesn't care about Joe. He's more concerned about, you know, the resistance sabotaging him or whatever. It's just like, something about that whole sequence... It's one of the worst, maybe five minutes of any movie I've ever seen. Is it, the whole it, Albuquerque. Well, yeah, it undermines most of the movie, as you said. But the one thing that I I do love, and I think it's in this scene, is that you get what you already referred to in my last note of the little details. The French wrecked the economy and the telephone system. <laughs> telephone system. I just really want to know how the telephone system got ruined. <laughs> the fact that it's the president talking about that, it's just like as we all know, the French wrecked our economy and our telephone system. It just it's just like an offhanded comment. <laughs> Again, I, it just seems like the French are the excuse for everything. Like, yes, I'm sure that the administration themselves screwed up the telephone system somehow. <laughs> Please. Um, I would just blame the French. Yeah, and they just blame the French. No, it's like Hank Scorpio, right? Nobody ever says Italy. You just always blame the French. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forget about However, France. which country do you like less? France or Italy? <laughs> uh, France. Yeah, nobody ever says Italy. All right, do you have anything else for little details? I have one no. last detail that I just find. It's just a moment that I find funny. All right, no, that's uh, that's about what I have in little details. I got a lot of questions to be answered. Yeah, there's a lot of questions also, but we should we should. But my last little detail is the moment near the end where Annie is going to poison Frankenstein. Frankenstein, like it's like a sleeping pill or whatever. Yeah. First of all, he fakes drinking the thing. <laughs> it's the worst fake out ever. <laughs> well, he puts the pill in, then he fakes drinking it. It's like drink the stuff first, then put the pill in. <laughs> Right? Yes. Or no, he, she is not trying to drug him. He drugs her. He, yeah. He's the one who puts the thing on the thing. Yeah. And, and then he doesn't know the flavor that yeah. it is. Oh, my taste buds are destroyed. It's like <laughs> she knows that that's all like lies. <laughs> so anyway, she's like, it's a good thing that I can taste it or uh, what, you know, in case there's poison in it. It's like, what? <laughs> anyway, she's, he drugs her. She's like getting woozy and she goes, oh, I'm getting sick. Pull over. And he goes, I can't. 
we're in a race. <laughs> I found that so funny. That is pretty funny. It's like 90% through the movie, it's like, I'm going to tell you dramatically, this movie Death Race is about a race. I, the thing is, it would have probably been a little bit even extra bonus if you were in a death race <laughs> right, yeah, in surprised. the year 2000. I'm surprised they didn't, he didn't say we're in a death race. I have one last thing I forgot. It's about I forgot about the scene that Stallone has. It's again near the end. It might be around that same time where uh, Myra is his navigator's name. I have it here, and she goes, "Why do you want to win this race so bad, Joe?" And he goes, "Why for hate? One big victory for hate." <laughs> I missed that. What is going on? Like at the, at the eleventh hour, they're trying to establish this motivation, which is like. Like the most simplistic, like Skeletor, like villain, like he wants to win the race for hate. That would be great. Why do we need? Why do you need to establish some kind of motivation? Well, just like, having money or fame, you know, anything. He just is competitive. He wants to win the race. Why do you need to explain this like six year old's version of why he wants to win the race? <laughs> he wants to win the race for hate because he's a bad guy. That's, that's just like why is that even there? Why is this because dialogue it, happening? It shouldn't. Anyway, I just wanted to make, make sure we mentioned that because that was fair. I, I was baffled by that. All right. All right. Should we do questions? We got, I got a lot of questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. All right. This, I'll let, this I'll, is really going to be fish in the barrel. Uh, yes, it is. I'll let you lead off because I, I started with my details. Okay. We already talked about the rules. Uh, so, okay. Let's talk about... They talk about Frankenstein's fake hand, which he actually does have a fake hand, a fake hand but, but it's, it's the other hand. It's a grenade. But it is his right hand, right? Or is it... Yeah, yeah, it is because then when he when he throws the hand grenade, he says you're gonna you're gonna have to change the gears for me. Yeah, which you never see him shift gears, by the way. Never. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean it's a straight. Like, you accelerate for thirty seconds and then you're in top gear the whole race. Why would you? I ever mean, slow I'm sure down? at some point you know you've got curves, but yeah, yeah it doesn't seem. Like, there's nobody on the road. There's nothing to avoid. Right. Exactly. Um, you don't want to avoid them. You want to hit them as hard as fast as you can. So yeah, well, like, and you're even... going 200 miles an hour in a cars that are wide open. It makes no sense why these cars are open. But this is my question because okay. the, the doctor says his new hand now he can shift gears in one twentieth of a second. <laughs> yeah. How is that an advantage in a race where primarily you're being scored on killing people? What difference does that make? How's that one twentieth of a second? How much of an advantage is that? It's not at all. I'm glad you brought it up because it's. The, it seems like to me what's funny is the race. Seems secondary. Yeah, it does. Well, we didn't even talk about that when we were talking about the scoring of just like how much does the time impact their scoring? It seems like it does because they talk about like, oh, Frankenstein finished the first lap first, <laughs> but he's second because of scoring. Like Joe has more scoring. So, so, so they make it sound like their time matters, but how does it matter? Do they get scores based on their time or is... Is the scoring somehow like a multiplier of their time, or is it like a it's like a so maybe the points you lose time like for every point you get yeah, you lose a second or something. That's like that? the only thing I could come up with here on the on the fly is that if you finish the race in you know uh, three days and six hours, whatever it is, you get time off for all of your points. But see, if it's just that, the points must be like the time off must be astronomical because all that the broadcasters care about is how many points they have, how many people they've killed. It's true. Nobody talks about the time. They offhandedly mention, oh, so-and-so finished first, but it's like, and they it don't seem to care. I was just saying, it doesn't seem like they record the delta between who got to St. Louis first and no. how much time. No. It's just, this person finished first. I mean, maybe that's what it is. It's just, if you finish first, you get a certain number of points. Eh, maybe. But if that's the case, as someone who plays a fair amount of games and video games and things, it's like, thinking about a rule set, sorry, I'm derailing, but just that's like, all right. let's say that's the case, right? You finish first, you get 1,000 points. You finish second, you get 800 points, et cetera. Once you know that you're going to finish fourth, 
drive around forever and find as many people as you can and kill them. It's if the time doesn't matter anymore. I didn't think about that. You That's know? a great way to game the system. At some point, yeah, you, it's like these rules are, would be so easy to be gamed. I assume they have to finish within a certain amount of time and they're disqualified or something. Like I would have hope to get so. There Otherwise, the checkpoint. Then, yeah, all, then all they would do is to keep driving around trying to hit people. Yeah, and just, who knows how this works, the time, whatever. All right, so I got a question for you on uh, Junior Bruce, your buddy buddy and his. So is there only one TV station in this world? Because he just works for TV. I, yeah, I would assume so. <laughs> yeah, his microphone just says TV on it. I, I thought that was amazing that it just says TV. Yeah, and sure, it's state TV. That's it. This is supposed to be... All right. I mean, to, you're right that they don't really put a fine point on the kind of... You can presume this is a fascist state, but you never really know that for a fact. It's a party. Just, it's the bipartisan party. Well, sure, but there's still a party. I know. It was the Nazi party. Like, it was I still understand. a political party. I understand. Um, but it's like, yeah, you just assume that it's fascist because it's, it's a, you know, a dystopian movie, but the movie never really establishes. Like, I mean, the race is really the way that the movie shows, like... The government's putting on this race. People are being killed in the streets. Isn't this awful? But that's really the only part of the evil of this government that you ever see. Uh, and also, the president seems like a real asshole. But it's like <laughs> that's you know, there's not really much to that. Well, he's yeah, but he's managing affairs away from the capital. <laughs> yeah, and where, where is it? Is like Peking. Yeah, Peking. Although when they cut to him, the first time they cut to him, he's like in heaven, basically. <laughs> Remember, that's a good catch. They, they cut to a staircase, and there's like dry ice coming down the staircase, and you hear harps, and it pans up the stairs, like broom, 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 and he's there at the top of the stairs. I'm the president. <laughs> he's in heaven. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's like, is this God? Is God the president of the United States in the future? Wow. I mean, he's obviously, I think that's part of the joke, because he's trying to present himself as like yeah. a God figure. Omnipotent. Yeah being yeah for sure all right so then what you're saying is it's state-run tv that's fair <laughs> now that i think about it there's a pretty big delta between that and the end where he's just on a dumpy platform like congratulations frankenstein it's just like compared to his like godlike stature the first time you see him well they spent all the money the administration spent everything at his you know off-site they didn't have anything for i the guess end of the so race. yeah they're draining all the money out of the yeah. united states and sending it overseas to, yeah. to his palace you know yeah yeah i guess so well, he probably has a resort there that he probably built Right, yes. I mean, <laughs> watch Death Race 2050, as I said. They lean into they, that They stuff. really lean into it then? The Malcolm McDowell's hair is enough. It's like, okay, All it's right. pretty clear what you're going for here, Death Race 2050. All right. So, yeah, Malcolm McDowell is Trump. All right. <laughs> Doing a pretty bad American accent, I must say. All right. Well, so what else you got? I got a lot here, so. Just a simple question here. Why does everybody love Frankenstein so much? What is it about Frankenstein? He's a guy in a mask. You're right. I mean, he's the gimp, basically, from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's the gimp. Why, why would the gimp be the most popular? Why, why, I'd like Machine Gun Joe. Exactly. It's like, if this is wrestling, he, uh, Frankenstein's story seems, is lame. Yeah, Frankenstein seems like the least interesting wrestling character. He's the Repo Man. He's a guy in a mask. It's yeah. like, who, no one cares about you. It's like, why, why is he he's so popular? He's the Repo Man. You're he's right. got, you know, girls coming to him and be like, oh, it's such an honor to... Right, and getting run over and sacrificing themselves for him. Oh, man, I forgot about that scene until just now, like... Our hero. That's our. I mean, it's. It's. I think the movie wants him to be like some kind of anti-hero, but it's like. And I guess maybe the idea is he's trying to maintain his cover until he needs to win the race, and in, in order to kill the president, and in yeah. order to win the race, he needs to kill people and justifies the means. Right. But man, oh man, this is a movie where our hero is just running over people. I mean, whatever. He he doesn't run over the old people. Yeah, you get well, moments like that. Yeah, I mean, the but the, the sacrifice there that really undermines him as a hero. Yeah, for, yeah, that girl. I, I I could not believe they went through with that. I'm like, okay, he's gonna swerve around. I, could, I didn't remember how the scene went from 20 oh, years ago. Yeah, I'm like, okay, he's gonna swerve around her. Nope. It's like, no, he didn't. He guns it. 
All right, so then I still had another thing on the TV, and this really bothered me. So I took it as they've got satellite that's covering the race because Junior Bruce, they all know everything that's going on at all times. Yeah, I guess they must. They must have some kind of trackers in the cars. Okay, then how can Frankenstein take off his mask? Yeah, I mean, no satellite. Way. Wait, tra- tracker doesn't necessarily mean they like video into the car, right? No, because they've got when they're running over people. I mean, they know intimate details of what's going on on the coverage. That's a good point. He should. They not- must. Yeah, they have. They must have some way to monitor the race, but- right? Because it's too big for it to just be cameras on the ground or something. Do you think a satellite would be able to see that he took us? I mean. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. I don't have an answer for you. The, the idea of me trying to start, like, answer this question. This like, one's no, impossible. He should not be able to take that mask off in the car. Well, you know, I, like, it's fine for him to reveal it, but it should be when they're in these giant hotel rooms that is clearly just a warehouse that they put a bed and like a screen in, which <laughs> right. is some of my favorite stuff in this movie. Yeah, it's funny because in Death Race 2050, not to keep bringing that up, but they do the same thing. One of the few things that's different is... All the co-pilots, all the navigators have like a camera on their heads, and you can watch the race in VR, like through their eyes, basically. Oh, yeah, th- uh, first person, basically. Yeah, basically. So when Frankenstein reveals himself, everyone sees it, and it's like, oh, like whatever. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere, just like it doesn't go anywhere here. It's, all right. The fact that Frankenstein isn't actually scarred and burned, what difference does it make? They Nobody just, cares. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't care. Nobody in the movie cares. It doesn't matter. All right, what, like, give me one here. I'll see if I can answer. All right, just I keep I kept thinking about that construction crew. Why is anybody out on the streets on Death Race Day? Everyone must know that this is going on. Especially right. if you're in the path. It's like if you live in Florida, they're not coming. <laughs> Look, don't worry about it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like other places on the map. I mean, it was, uh, who cares? Race Day. Yeah, it's I'm like, fine. I wonder actually. Hawaii. They're like, fine. Sure. Yeah, I wonder, or didn't think about it until now, but I wonder if the route changes every year. If, like, maybe one year it's, you know, Miami to Maine. And no, because I think they choose their, their path. Oh, yeah, I guess they do they talk split, about They like, diverge and they split up. Yeah, they do talk about, like, oh, this is Frankenstein's preferred path, whatever. They, yeah, so it must yeah. be the same every year. All right, so why would the construction crew be out? All right. Um, yeah, they're working. It's like, this is like the Super Bowl times a thousand. <laughs> Who's working during the Super Bowl? So what I'm going to guess is that that particular crew has a lot of seniority and is costing the administration a lot of money. So they put them, they force them out there to hope that they would get run down in the race and be able to get the liability off the books. That seems like gaming the outcome, then, if they're putting people in Joe Viterbo's way. Well, I, you think that you're going to say that this administration, that's beneath them? Absolutely not. They would completely do that. But isn't Frankenstein their guy? They don't know that Frankenstein's going to assassinate the president. They, they think that he's their hero. No, right? that's he's the chosen saying, savior or whatever. I'm saying that the administration, that those construction workers were expensive, and they wanted them off the books, so they wanted them to get run over. Oh, I see. No, but they had to give his widow a prize. Yeah, but the prize is like a one-time. I'm saying these guys, that pension that the Secret <laughs> Service is getting later on, I think that these guys have got like a fat pension coming. I guess the, the construction of the union must have a lot of power. Uh, that's what I think. In the yes. future. Hey, man, so I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best of why <laughs> a construction crew and why that every other road you see is in pristine shape, but this one just has like a giant hole in it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're they trying to race to get the road fixed but by the time the race gets there. Like, oh, man, we're behind schedule. All the race is happening today. Okay, then maybe it's the opposite. They're the incompetent ones that didn't get the job done, and that's why they're out on race day. Yeah, maybe. Okay. You got anything else? Uh, I've got a ton. All right. I'm skipping <laughs> okay. some of these. I want to know, what are these cars, what fuel are they running on? Because it seems like they don't stop at all until they get to St. Louis. And New York to St. Louis, I can tell you, nothing that I've ever driven is going to get there without stopping for refueling. Oh, definitely. I mean, if they had gigantic 
gas tanks that would get them all the way from coast to coast. They would be driving like they would have to have these huge, like you know, right semi trucks to carry all that gas. So yeah, I don't. It's the future. Maybe there's solar powered cars. There's Maybe no there's, panels on there. No. Try again. No, whatever. Not solar panel, but you know, plug in electric car. Maybe this. You, you know how much range electric cars have. Obviously, you get them from coast to coast. <laughs> I don't know. You failed on that one. I, I mean, do you think there are gas stations in this world? Like, do you think there are func- there's functioning infrastructure for that stuff? Uh, well, the roads are in perfect shape. I absolutely think that's, the roads are still used. That's a good point. You got a construction crew out there fixing <laughs> yeah, the a road. It's a good point. Yeah, I guess there must be gas stations somewhere. All right, I got another one. That I want to get out for sure, though. Okay. All right. So if there are one of the prizes is a 50 inch 3D TV with octaphonic sound. Yes. Right? Yeah. So then, why in Albuquerque they have a TV set up for the racers that is the cheapest TV I have ever seen? <laughs> That's true. You're telling me that they wouldn't get a 3D 50 inch octaphonic sound TV? Yeah, they've got masseuses and masseurs on Thank hand. Thank you. You'd think they'd have the best stuff. All right, then you. Then I agree. Yeah, all right, that's I, a fair I, one. I don't have an answer there. I mean, it, maybe they're only they can only afford to make a handful, and they need to save them for the prize. It's like these things are expensive. We need to only give them to the prize winners. All right, I can buy that. I still think that there would be at least one in the setup in that swanky hotel that they're in. I mean, it would ended up being like Total Recall. I remember us talking about that, where like at the beginning of Total Recall, you see the the wall screen of just like wow, it's the future, fancy wall TVs, and then every other TV you see is just, <laughs> it's a, just so CRT. Cheap. Yeah. yeah, so I'm sure it's just a budget thing. Okay, my question at the end, what was the original plan before Grandma Zeus shot fake Frankenstein? Was she going to blow herself up? Because the only reason why she gets off the podium is because she gets shot by her grandmother. Yes. Annie dresses up as Frankenstein, goes up to the podium, getting congratulated by the president. Granny shoots her. Doesn't shoot the president. Shoots her. Well, she has bad aim. You think that's what it is? Well, it's I was, she's great grandmother. I mean, yeah, she's her, old. Her, her glaucoma was acting up. Yeah. Well, she acts like that's exactly what she planned. She's just like, yeah, I did it. I also love how nobody in the crowd like reacts. They just kind of look at her like, oh, and nobody tries to. Some lady like- just shot Frankenstein. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but they, then they carry Frank, quote unquote, Frankenstein off the stage, and then real Frankenstein naked gets into his car and smashes into the podium and presumably kills the president. But. She would have been on the podium. The only reason why she's not on the podium is because she got shot by her grandmother slash great-grandmother, and they couldn't have coordinated that because Granny wasn't in communication with the them. Plan, right. What was the plan? What was the... I don't, I don't think there was. I guess she was going to suicide herself, and then when that failed, <laughs> Frankenstein was just like, well, it's up to me. I got to take over. That's you the that's only logic that I have is that He's like, well, I didn't plan on this because I don't have any clothes on, but I guess I have to take this. Our original terrible plan failed. Let me do a much better plan of just smashing into him with my car. It's not as if this car was built to be a weapon of some kind. <laughs> and seems to be indestructible in every way. And the president has no security. It's just like, oh, yeah. Frankenstein just drove his car right and smashed it right into his podium. <laughs> it, it was a bad plan, to say the least. Let me, let me ask you a question on the resistance. Do you think, does Lieutenant Nick Fury... I call that. I mean, we can just assume his first name is Nick. Yeah. Okay. Does he think that anybody can hear him when he's talking in that plane? Who is he talking to? Oh, was uh, was Granny not listening in? Was uh, he's demanding that that Frankenstein pull over? He has no way of hearing you in that plane. Oh, right. Even if there is, you know, some sort of communication device, it would be talking to the Resistance, not to Frankenstein's car. Uh, well, the Resistance did break in telecommunications with their giant factories, so maybe they did that again somehow. Maybe <laughs> off screen. They, they... <laughs> That's what that wrench was turning <laughs> right. for. <laughs> All right. Start, they started the presses back up. It takes four hours, <laughs> but they did it. 
And you know, that he, he's all right because because yeah, they heard her speech when she gave her speech. All right, about tyranny will end or whatever she said. Right. I'm out of questions. So really, yeah. All right, I got two more. Then I mean, I, I could have written down a thousand, but I was like, I I I didn't want to go on forever. All right. Well, let me let me ask you then on the end. Well, no, I got two. Real quick. Okay. Where did the stage teleport to as the car hit it? Because there's no debris on the car when you cut back to. Can you tell me what happened to the stage? No debris on the car. I didn't even notice that. It's just like the president's body is on the car. There's no <laughs> debris whatsoever. There was a giant stage. The movie skipped over the 10 minutes of digging Frankenstein out of the, the okay. pile of debris. All right, I'll take that. The president's body getting it out of the way. All right, so I, it did crack me up how she raises his hand like he just defeated Joe Frazier. <laughs> What a weird moment. <laughs> he killed the president. It would, it would have been better if it was Machine Gun Joe. It was Rocky that right, was exactly. having that moment. All right, last I think one. I would have preferred that. Uh, so I have here, this is where I have, wait a minute, great-grandmother pain. I think it's at the very end that they then change it to she's great-grandmother. Oh, probably, yeah. And so, so I just say, how old is she? But here's what I really want to know. She decrees that anybody that doesn't like the new government should leave. What? <laughs> no. These revolutionaries? This is what you're saying. This is the new government you're establishing. It's the exact same problem as Demolition Man with Dennis Leary. Yes, and then so <laughs> thank you. Maybe this is just my theme. And I said, how are they any better than the last regime? Yeah. Their initial volley to the to the public is if you don't like it get out <laughs> yeah yeah it's, but it's like get if you don't like what like what is she even referring to if you I don't, don't like if you don't like our administration or if you don't like freedom <laughs> it's crazy there's she's no better than the last regime so anyway that that's what i had uh and well, the, thank you for trying to help me understand well on that point the whole the movie's message about violence is so muddled i mean kind of intentionally so because Junior, whatever, Junior Bruce. Junior Bruce with the out, ascot. Is out there, and he's the one dissenter. He's just like, no, we need violence, violence, violence. And then I Frankenstein, Frankenstein just hits him with his car. Yeah, the irony, right? Yeah, which is like, what is the movie trying to say? Is it trying to say, yeah, we gave it to that guy with violence, or are we saying he's wrong, violence is wrong, so we're going to kill him with violence? It's like, I don't even know. It's, it's the guy saying that violence is needed is the one that the movie kills down. at the end. So it's a little bit of a mixed message, I have to say, but, uh, you know, At this best. movie doesn't care about its message. No, it doesn't. It's almost kind of, it's almost like that Simpsons episode where it's like, there's a bunch of stuff that happened. <laughs> That's probably the best way to, that should have been our plot summary. Maybe there was no uh, lesson, or was it, maybe there was no... Uh, it's just a bunch of stuff, stuff that happened. stuff that happened. All right, so one of, now uh, I think we've got all the, the questions answered as best we can. So now uh, one of my favorite parts, which is the Silk Cozart. Okay, I'm going to let you down this time. I don't have much because I didn't know what the hell to do. Oh, man. All right, well, did you come up with anything? I was, I was looking into Roger Corman's career, and I kind of – here's what's remarkable. And I, I kind of kept it to his first six years of being a producer slash director. It goes without saying, he makes his movies so cheaply and so quickly. He's made a lot of movies. <laughs> so uh, just between 1954, when he first start, started, and 1960, he produced 40 movies in six years. Wow. And, and directed 26 of them. That's insane. That's insane. That's what? I didn't actually do the math. I, I, it's, I, over, it's almost five per, per yeah, year. Yeah, it's like four, four and a yeah, half. Four and whatever. a half per year. That's crazy. So I just... I just pulled a couple of these. I pulled some of the the IMDb like plot summaries of some of his early movies. Are they Ed Wood fun? I don't know. I mean, I've never seen any of these movies right. uh, other than I've seen the original Little Shop of Horrors, which boy oh boy, you want to talk about cheap? Like that <laughs> makes this look like Ben Hur. I mean, it's, <laughs> it literally takes place in a tiny room made of cardboard. 
They shot in two days. That's like the legend of the original Little Shop of Horrors. Really? They shot, it, shot it in two days. Oh, I almost want to see that. Jack Nicholson has a cameo. He's a, has a small, not a cameo. He wasn't famous then. But he has a yeah. small part. Wow. Um, so working, just just a couple that jumped out at me um, that I I thought were either the title or the uh, description either piqued my interest or was kind of interesting or funny or whatever. So 1955, Apache Woman, which he directed, it was released September 15th, 1955. Uh, I have the budgets, if they're available. $80,000 was the budget for Apache Woman. In w- 1955. That sounds actually like a realistic budget. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's not $80,000 today, but still, that's like $150,000, $200,000 today probably. Um, so IMDb descriptions, a government agent is sent to a western town to investigate attacks that the townspeople say are being committed by rampaging Apaches. The agent, however, suspects that different forces may be committing these crimes. It actually made me curious, like, who's committing the crimes that made me want to see the movie? <laughs> Watch! Um, by the way, I'm, I'm skipping, this is not a comprehensive list, I'm just yeah. picking and choosing. I'm not going to go through all, like, 26 or whatever. Um, boy, Google's spreadsheet system is terrible. Their, their spreadsheet software is awful. I'm not a fan. I literally can't even navigate this. <laughs> it will not select the thing I want to select. All right, skipping that one. <laughs> 1956, It Conquered the World, released July 15th, 1956. A well-meaning scientist guides an alien monster to Earth from Mars so that he can rid mankind of feelings and emotions. <laughs> but only death and sorrow results. <laughs> So do you think it was Kang or Kodos that showed up? Uh, I mean, it sounds pretty similar. Uh, worth noting, Peter Graves and Lee Van Cleef are both in that movie. Oh, I would love to see Peter Graves in that. Budget is not available. Okay. Stakeout on Dope Street. He didn't. Pro- he only produced this. He didn't direct it. But <laughs> this, this description. Please, please tell me it's just a bunch of drugs. Uh, it is just a bunch of drugs. <laughs> 1958. So for 58, this is pretty uh, shocking material. Yeah, I'm sure I it was. Three teenagers find a briefcase with a beat-up old can in it. They throw, <laughs> they throw away the can and pawn the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, these are just IMDb descriptions that I somebody know. wrote. Yeah. So it's like, how many people have seen this movie? <laughs> the, the quality of these summaries are up and down. When they read in the papers that the can was full of uncut heroin and belonged to a drug dealer who killed two narcotics agents in a shootout, they go back and look for the can. They find it and decide to go into the heroin selling business. <laughs> is this a comedy? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I don't think so. I'm sure it wasn't in 1958, but it sounds like a comedy today. It's like Breaking Bad. Yeah. However, the drug dealer's gang also wants the heroin, finds out the boys have it, and set, sets out to hunt them and get, them, get back their dope. Worth noting also, first movie directed by Empire Strikes Back director Irvin Kirshner. Wow. In his film debut, $35,000 budget, 1958. I got to admit, that one's kind of reeled me in. I'd like to see that. I mean, that, that's a detailed description. I love that they pawn the suitcase. Right, they pawn the suitcase. Brief the case, whatever. All right, let's go backwards now that I've gotten my technology situation <laughs> sorted out. 1956, Gunslinger, released June 1956. After her husband is gunned down, Rose Hood takes his place temporarily as a marshal of a small western town. I think it's, I just find that funny that it's temporarily. <laughs> a woman sheriff, we gotta make clear that this isn't gonna be permanent. This is a last resort. Okay, let's do this one. Rock and roll, rock all night, 1957. Cloud Nine, a local teen hangout, has been taken over by a pair of escaped killers who hold the teens hostage. The bartender realizes it's up to him to save the kids. <laughs> It's their teens, and they're, it's a bartender. Like I know the fifties. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yes, I wasn't sure about that. Uh, the Viking of the saga of the Viking women and their. This is getting cut off. 
The, the saga of the Viking women and their voyage to the waters to the great sea serpent. Oh, man. December 1957, $65,000 budget. A group of lonely Viking women build a <laughs> ship and set off across the sea to locate their missing menfolk, only to fall into the clutches of the bar- barbarians that also hold their men captive. There is a cameo appearance by the sea serpent. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think what that means is whoever wrote the the recap was really agitated that there's a sea serpent referred to oh, and yeah. it barely shows up. Uh, yeah. It's sort of like in, uh, not Conan, Red Sonja, where you've got that scene, just throwaway scene where they're fighting, um, oh, I can't remember what. Oh, yeah, the machine, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the kill, was it the kill machine? I think it might have just been called the, the ki- killing machine. The killing machine. Uh, okay, dope strip we did. Okay, War of the Satellites, 1958, $70,000 budget. An unknown force, quote-unquote, declares war against planet Earth when the United Nations disobeys warnings to cease and desist in its attempts at assembling the first satellite in the atmosphere. <laughs> that ages well. Yeah, very much so. A satellite? God, that's amazing to think of. That Roger Corman started his career before satellites, like before Sputnik, you know what I mean? Like, wow. That's how, and he's still alive. He's like 93 or something. He's still, I don't know if he's still producing, but he oh, yeah, he is. He just, they just did Death Race uh, 20, 2050. I'm sure he mailed that one in, though. I don't, I don't know how involved he is anymore. Uh, okay. 1958, She Gods of Shark Reef. She directed August 1958. Two brothers, one wanted for murder, are shipwrecked on an island inhabited by nubile young women who have amassed a valuable cache of pearls. <laughs> these movies sound terrible. <laughs> I'm sure they're terrible. I mean, th- these are Roger Corman movies. He, he, how many, how many, let me ask you this. How many of these do you think uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 have done? I'm sure a handful. Like, well, not, uh, in the 80s and 90s, Roger Corman was doing a lot of those, like, Carnosaur, and, like, I think even he did some of those sci-fi, I don't think he did Sharknado, but he did stuff like that. Okay. Like Shark versus Octopus. You know, he, he kind of moved into that direction. Um, you know, this seems like a mix of like westerns and like crime movies, and then yeah. some monster You're movies right. mixed in. But now I think it's all monster movies. Okay, a bucket of blood in 1959. A dim-witted busboy finds a claim as an artist for a plaster-covered dead cat what? that is mistaken as a skillful statuette. <laughs> the desire for more praise soon leads to an increasingly deadly series of works. Oh my god, bizarre. Okay, and then the last woman on earth. I think we'll we'll end on in 1960. Ev, and it's, her name is Ev, Ev, along with her husband, Harold, and their lawyer friend, Martin, okay. are swimming while on vacation in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Just that sentence in a recap is <laughs> I know, great. I know. When they resurface, they gradually conclude that an unexplained temporary interruption of oxygen has killed everyone on the island, maybe even the world. <laughs> what cracked me up about that is it's called The Last Woman on Earth. There are also two men. <laughs> not, not mentioned in the title. <laughs> Anyway, wow! Um, just a couple of uh, selected works of the early years of uh, of Roger Corman. I've seen Little Shop of Horrors. I think I've seen The Trip. Like in the late sixties, he got involved in like, the counterculture movement, and like he kind of got involved with like kind of like like Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda and uh, uh, you know like, like Easy Rider. He wasn't involved yeah. in making it, but he worked with those guys. Like they made uh, uh, Wild Angels. Okay. Which is what kind of started that whole like biker movie phase, you know. And obviously, like Easy Rider was very influential. So like Roger Corman was weirdly like influencing the filmmakers who were influencing other movies. You know, he's worked with a lot of like he worked with Jonathan Demme, he worked with uh, like Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola. Like he he was a launching pad for a lot of wow people. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. 
based on the quality of this work. Um, well, I, I so that's the thing. I think in the '60s and into the '70s, they got a little more highbrow. He did a lot of like Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, um, and then by the '80s, it was just back to schlock. He did. Oh, I, I, as a kid, I saw Battle Beyond the Stars. That's one I've seen. It's oh, just a Star Wars knockoff. It's from okay. 1981. Like, you know, and eventually he's just making Carnosaur, like, oh, Jurassic Park's big. Like, what he would do is he'd be like, oh, it looks like Jurassic Park's going to be a big hit. I'm going to rush out a movie first. You know, I mean, a lot of companies do this now, like Transmorphers. <laughs> you ever see those movies? <laughs> no. Every, every time a Transformers movie is coming out, some company makes a Transmorphers movie, which is just a cheap knockoff of Transformers. So, oh, that's great. Roger Corman was doing that before anybody else he's, was. He's a trendsetter. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think now that we got Silk Cozart done, uh, thank you for that. We need to move on to what this podcast is all about. It's time for the body count. It is time for the body count. I, I almost put together a, a jingle for this, and it ran out of time. So All right, we're, we're getting there. I'll, I'll wait until the new season before I start working on that stuff. It's like <laughs> I didn't have time. That's fair enough. Okay, so body count, total body count of 34. IMDb yep. says 33, but I think I spotted one. I think I know why. I've got 34 as well. Okay, good. Because did you have six when... Uh, Frankenstein drives over all the the nurses. Huh. I, I, at no. first, oh, you had five. I have five because there's one on the hood, and I suspect. All right, so you want to just quickly go down the list to see where I have one that you don't? Oh, sure. I still get to thirty-four. Just, yeah, read them off, and I'll stop you when right, I've ready? got something different. Yeah. So uh, for I've got one construction worker. Correct. One El Toro. Yes. Five for the doctors. I have 110 points, by the way. <laughs> I have six here, so that's the difference, but we, we already knew that. All right, so then I got two, Nero and Cleopatra. Yes. Two, Blitzkrieg is yes. all I have. Uh, I have roadblock guys, but yeah, I think it's the same guys. All right, one, the sign man. Yes. One, the I call it the preacher, but it actually is the deacon. <laughs> the deacon of the bipartisan party. Yes. yes. One, the Frankenstein fan club, yes. which is disheartening. I, you know what? We never talked about Frankenstein's fan club's t-shirts. They just have f. A, a black shirt with an F, a white F on it. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah, wouldn't you have like two bolts or something? <laughs> exactly I mean, what I was thinking. It's, uh, you're right, Go to f. a Halloween shop and buy a, a Frankenstein mask. And, and shouldn't it be something. green? I mean, I I guess he wears black, so no, maybe the black does make sense. Well, his car is green. His car is called The Monster. I stopped, I I forgot to give the names of the cars, but his car is called The Monster because he's Frankenstein. But yet his car is just a generic monster. It looks like a crocodile. Yeah. I was going to say, it looks like an alligator. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so where were we? All right. uh, I got three then for the chicken gang. Yeah, the greasers. Got those. Uh, One, the Frankenstein substitute. Uh, Yes, fake Frankenstein. Yep. All right. One, the fisherman. Fisherman, yeah. Uh, another one, Blitzkrieg, a James, navigator. James goes navigator, yep. yeah. Two, the master racers is what is what I called. Uh, yeah, I've got Wiley Coyote here. Yeah. All right. Uh, two, the pit crew. Correct. Uh, one, the motorcycle attacker. Oh, I I didn't count either of those because it didn't look their spills didn't look so bad. Uh, see, the one I thought was was dead, so I I, I got that as thirty four. Okay, that's that's where that's where we diverge. You've got I'm, one extra motorcyclist. I've got one extra nurse right. slash doctor. So then, calamity gene. Yeah, I'm sure the rest were fine. Uh, rebel driver, <laughs> poor Lieutenant Nick Fury. Lieutenant Fury killed self, uh, crashing plane in the mountain. I did two, and I just have again. I love the hand grenade. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> so Annie dash dash Stallone dash dash quote hand grenade. <laughs> That's how I was notating this. Uh, three, the president and his disappearing bodyguards. Correct. Uh, and then <laughs> one, Junior Bruce, or he teleported away. Oh, do you not see him get hit? No, you don't actually see him get no, hit. No, you can presume. Like, yeah, yeah I, we definitely need to count Junior Bruce. All right, so 34. So then I assume you also have the totals for Stallone, which I actually did not put a parenthetical so for. So Stallone had seven. He was second after Frankenstein. Uh, I, my totals are like 
10 pages apart from my list, my like details. Oh, so, okay. David Carradine at 13. So he was in the lead and Stallone seven. Oh, I don't, I, I forgot to also, I forgot to uh, do an average, but Stallone was definitely, his average was like 20 something per movie. And this is seven. So he's going to come down. Yeah. It's Sorry. Getting... I, I didn't, I didn't put in the work. It's death race 2000. I was like, so not, <laughs> my, my notes are very lacking. You're supposed so, to be a, a, uh, all about finality and completionist completionism, I guess, but Look, that's okay. It, let's, we have to wait for a ruling. Body counts were handed down to us from the Greeks. You know, <laughs> we'll wait for a ruling until next episode. All I right. just don't have I don't have the averages. Sir, so I guarantee it, it, you know he only had seven in this movie, so it's, it's going to come down. It's coming down again closer, to Arnold. We'll we'll check in next episode. Well, I apologize. You, I, I totally forgot about it. Until, that's fine. Like, right. Now. The important thing is we know he has seven, and we know he was second. So we've got to come up with the Wrecking Crew award. It's time for the Wrecking Crew award. Yeah. Uh, no jingle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It's awkward, and there's a, that's why I need to come up with We need a jingle, because I'm really excited so whenever those get we've played. Got, we've gotten used to having those bumpers. Especially since there, we've not had a Frank Stallone usage yet. I'm really excited no, for the first one. It'll be coming. Guaranteed it'll be coming in two episodes. Possibly next episode, depending on what you pick. All right, so I'll tell you right now, I'm already looking past whatever you're picking. Rocky's coming up, and I'm excited about it. <laughs> I don't care what we... If you think I'm disorganized this episode, wait until next episode. I don't care. Let's get the Rocky. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot to do here. Before Rocky, right? We only have one more episode until Rocky. It's every six episodes. Oh, okay. That's the way it works, because there's, there's, there's double the number of Rocky oh, movies in Terminator. All right, okay. Uh, all right, so your Wrecking Crew Award. Mine, uh, I, I hated to award it, but I had to go with Frankenstein. Oh, okay. No, I gave it to Stallone. I think. All right, that's fair. You know, I, I think we should... Uh, I'm trying to avoid giving it to Stallone every time. This is only the second time he's won it for me, but, like, I think he was the most entertaining, you know, actor for sure. His character was stupid, but every character is stupid. So, like, that's a level playing field. He's the only one who brings any kind of entertainment, in my opinion. The, the you know, the Howard Cosell guy was fun, but he only appears like three or four times. Yeah. It's like, so I, he, I enjoyed Stallone's character as, you know, even though he was a bad guy and, like, every time it went there, it was just like, ooh, this is gross. But for the most part, I enjoyed it. Him calling his navigator a baked potato. <laughs> A lot of points for that. That's 100 points right there. All right. Well, I went with uh, Frankenstein because he had the highest body count, and the hand grenade was was probably my favorite part of the movie. He I, didn't throw that hand grenade, though, and he did. He didn't, but he had it, and he was, willing, he was ready to use it and shake the president's hand. <laughs> Do you think his plan was just, like, shake the hand, boop, it comes off, and just run? <laughs> like a cartoon again. <laughs> I didn't even think of his plan was to run. I thought it was no, he was just going to pull the pin and like hug him or something. I mean, and yeah, that, up. that's the kind of what it seems like. Well, even but Annie, I, like, I like the idea that he tries, he tries to get away and save himself. I mean, if, it's, if the whole point is to shake his hand yeah. so that it comes off in his hand. But yeah, I, you know what? We didn't talk about it, but Annie, when she was disguised as Frankenstein, looks like she's about to hug him. You're as right. if she's going to blow herself up, but they've already used that hand that grenade. That grenade was burned. Yeah, so again, I just don't understand the plan at the end, I, but we already covered it. There wasn't one. So, all right, how about uh, how about your Rocky rating? Uh, oh, yeah, I do have a one for this. Well, let's fire it up. I'm losing track of what has <laughs> a jingle and what doesn't. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. So I this was a tough, this was a borderline one for me. I agree. Yeah, I, don't, I, I could not give it an Ivan Drago. This is not... Fun. As fun as I remembered, it was just honestly. It felt long for like a seventy-four minute movie. It felt long because nothing is happening for most of it. Uh, you're right, nothing is happening. But there was enough fun stuff for me that I didn't feel like it was a drag it only because it was so short. It has its moments, but that's almost it, it's almost more frustrating because it's just like ten percent of this movie is funny and entertaining, 
and 90% of it. I mean, I guess that's just like every grindhouse schlock movie from the 70s. It's like you watch any movie like, like this from that period, it's mostly filler. I mean, Roger Corman can't direct five movies a year unless it's mostly filler. So yeah. he didn't direct this, but you know you know what I mean. So then what, what rating did you give it? I'm going to give it a Tommy Gun. All right. When we line up on this one, okay, it good. was close. It was right on the border for me, though, because there was enough stuff that made me laugh. I wanted to go Ivan Drago, but it's just not that fun. Was it on the border? Because like, our scale isn't necessarily linear. So was it on the border between Tommy Gun and Ivan Drago? Or, yes. Okay. Not Mason Dixon. No. I Initially, I was thinking, and I'm like, no, because this is more... It's not serious enough. I have to have it on the border between Drago and Tommy Gunn. I needed like two or three more scenes that were, you know, fun bad, and I would have flipped it over into Ivan Drago, but I couldn't. There's enough redeeming stuff that it's not Spider Rico, but not enough to give it the Ivan Drago. There just needed to be some a, a stronger thread that runs through the movie of just like a story. It's really just a series of vignettes of just like, what are some fun ways to run people over with cars? Pretty much. The three greasers try to jump down a manhole. There's a bullfighter. There's a, you know, whatever. Like, He's got a bunch his pit of, crew. They wheel out old people into the road. Like, yeah. yeah, pit crew. I, I, that's all this movie is. If there had been no story, if it had just been a series of those gags over and over and over with no characters, I don't think that it would be demonstrably different. I think it, the, the experience would be pretty much the same. I'd like to disagree with you on that, but I can't. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so, all right, we match up. I think this is the first time we've matched up on a rating. Is it? Oh, yeah, because yeah, I guess even Demolition Man, I was lower than you. Yeah, so Tommy Gunn. Again, these ratings don't mean anything. They're, they're... Yes, absolutely they do. <laughs> you're, so, you're so adamant that these... It's because I came up with it, and it's pride of authorship. No, I, lo- I, I love the fact that they have no meaning. That's, what I, that's why I like it. All right. You're ruining the thing that I like about it, is that they're totally arbitrary well, and meaningless. I'm glad that I can ruin it for you. <laughs> I give it a Tommy Gunn. Fair enough. All right, that's the show. Uh, it is the show, but it's the important thing is to pick the next movie, and it's my pick. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Uh, so I really... I told you I was looking past it. <laughs> I forgot we were going to pick it. Rocky's coming in, too. That's all I care about. Uh, I, <laughs> I really, really struggled with this, and I went back and forth. Uh, yeah, we're starting to get boxed in with the categories. I'm starting to get boxed in, but what my selection process is, how easily can I find this? <laughs> okay. And may it disappear? And so I looked, all right, what's available at the library? And then I looked, oh, wait a minute, what's available on Netflix? And ultimately, I, I was afraid of what might disappear from Netflix. So I decided to go <laughs> with what might disappear from Netflix. I think I know what it is just based on what I know is on Netflix. Oh, well, then I'm going to let you guess before I tell you what it is. Is it Judge Dredd? It is not Judge oh, Dredd. Oh, okay. I, I'm pretty sure Judge Dredd is on Netflix. Judge Dredd is not on Netflix. I know you had it on your list. I looked. Oh. It was on a couple months ago. I must have taken it off. Uh, it is available at our local library, and I looked. Do you know, want to know the last time Judge Dredd was checked out of our local <laughs> library? Uh, how long has that library been in existence? <laughs> a long time. I will tell you, it was in 2017. Oh, that's that's much, much more recent than I would have guessed. <laughs> July of 2017 was the last time anybody checked out Judge Dredd. Okay. I wonder what, if, if there's any reason for that. Uh, maybe they're doing a podcast and we don't know about it. But ultimately <laughs> I decided, well, no. Oh, look, here's a Stallone movie that came up. So I'm going with Still Making Action Movies. Oh, there was one more Netflix, but I don't remember what it was. Bullet to the Head. Bullet to the Head. That's on Netflix. Yes, it is on Netflix. I canceled my Netflix, so it doesn't even matter to me. But yeah. uh, So for me, I still have Netflix, yeah. and I decided this could <laughs> easily disappear when I really need to do this movie, so I'm going to go ahead and pull this one right now. Okay, Bullet I to the Head. I know nothing about it. I also all. know nothing. I get this one mixed up with another one. Is it the one from like 2012, or is it from earlier than that? No, I think this was 2012. Yeah, okay. So Bullet it's, to the Head. I know nothing about it. Yeah, I think it's got a Fast and Furious guy in it. I don't I, think it's Han. I think it's some, I think it's like the villain from three. 
I know nothing about. <laughs> I think I think he's got a he's got a sidekick that's in a Fast and Furious movie. I'm not. I could be wrong about that. I might be misremembering. So I'm not sure. I'm optimistic about it, but I'm glad that it's on Netflix and I'm going to be able to watch it on Netflix. That's in still making, or is that? Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Okay. Because yeah. diminishing returns is like the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That so makes, that still makes making action movies. Yeah. That that category is rough. So I. <laughs> well, yeah. we're gonna get one out of the way. Oh, we've never seen them, so maybe maybe it's better than we. Uh, think. no, I think this is terrible. We'll see. I mean, I don't want to assume anything. I'll, I'll come in with high expectations, but you're not making it easy for me to not look past this movie. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm already. I I'll, I'll admit to you, I've already watched Rocky once <laughs> in preparation. <laughs> I'm just like it's coming up. Any excuse to watch Rocky, I'll watch it. <laughs> it's going to be so bad so for I'll me watch, on that episode. I'll, I'll probably watch Bolt of the Head, and then I'll watch Rocky again. And then I'll watch Bolt of the Head and take notes. <laughs> that's and ridiculous. then I'll watch Rocky again. All right, well, that's the show. So uh, if you enjoy the show, please remember to write us a favorable review and like us on your podcast app of choice. Yes, and especially if you if you give us a review on the Bad Puns and Machine Guns podcast, please uh, give us a new review for the Arms Race podcast because... It's an entirely new feed. Uh, iTunes treats it as a new podcast. You know, Stitcher, anywhere else where you might want to give a review. We would appreciate that. It always helps. And we'll be back with Pull It to the Head. I've been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. It's my baby calling, so I 